When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> this is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our city. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. We got a full house tonight. Pat Light's here. Yeah. Uh, He's not here. Uh, Coley's here. Pete's here. Tyler's here. Jake's here. Uh, And we are breaking down the uh, Red Sox town hall, the huge controversy. And I'll just, I'll address it right off the top. Um. I was wearing makeup. I was wearing makeup and I don't know that that's like especially in 2023 like you can't you can't shit on men for wearing makeup in 2023. Like that's just like a thing that men that men do. I feel like Pete you've probably dabbled in makeup from time to time, yeah? Yeah, especially if you're on TV. Like yeah. every guy who's on TV is wearing makeup for the most part. Uh, no, no, oh. no. Don't speak on me. I'm on TV every single day and I've never put an ounce of makeup on my face. Yeah, but you know he's probably accused you of wearing makeup either. Yeah. All right, fuck off. <laughs> no <one> cares. <laughs> fuck off. People watch you like, "Oh, that kid's definitely not wearing makeup. They, they yeah. should get him some." Yeah. Like, you know what that kid idea. needs? It's just, it's makeup. it's a thing that makes you look better on TV. You should do it. No, I, I realize what makeup does. Thank you, Pete. You're welcome. Oh, it also, doesn't seem like you do because you're not wearing it. <laughs> what, for Makeup for me, I got a shiny ass forehead. Like, this guy's not I, wearing any concealer. Look at this fucking yeah, pussy. Yeah. Do you have, do you own your own makeup, Pete? Like, sure you do. do. Yeah. What do you use? Just out uh, of curiosity. A little, bit of con- a little bit of concealer and a little bit of powder so you're not super shiny on TV. See? See, I need to do that. Jake, you get a fucking haircut over there? Sure did. Looks awesome, buddy. That's right, looks Jake. great. Yeah, that looks really good. Um, Coley, how, how's the uh, the snow in Maine? So much of it. I was. I had my. <laughs> I, I have my snow. First of all, I went on this rant the other day, but you people didn't hear it. I, snow blow like snow plows. Uh huh. I don't. I, I want to preface this. I do not have the solution to this problem. However, snow plows coming by your fucking house and putting four feet of ice at the end of your driveway, (laughs) that is illegal. How do we have that problem in 2023? How does that still exist? No one's working on the solution. They just think it's okay. They just think it's okay. (laughs) 
And so that's like, I've got my fucking snow blower and it's just ice. Like I have to chop it. I have to blow. I'm, I blow it into the street now. I used to not do that. Cause I'm pretty sure it's like a fine. Yeah. When you pile up again, three to four feet of legitimate ice at the end of my driveway and I can't leave my home. I'm blasting it back into the street. And the the worst the worst part is it's like when you're out there shoveling or snow blowing your driveway and the plow dr- drives by and like looks you in the eye as they <laughs> like pile up all the ice at the end of the drive. They may as well just fuck your wife. Like yeah. it is more disrespectful to come inside your house and fuck your wife than it is to look you in the eye as you're shoveling your driveway and then just make the job 10 times worse. I've been through that. I'd rather have someone fuck my wife than to go outside and shovel <laughs> yeah. all the snow. So I don't even have like a super long driveway, but like shocker, uh, I'm like three weeks into being a homeowner and I'm done shoveling snow. Like I, I did the first storm. We're on storm number three. I did not shovel for the second one. I just left and went to winter weekend and hoped that it was melted by the time I got back. And then it just dumped like another fucking four inches out there. Guess who's not shoveling that? Me. I'm going to leave that shit there until it melts. I don't give a fuck. I don't uh, go anywhere. I, like, I'm pulling a slip and snow- fall at Jerry's house. No problem. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, I parked my car in the garage. You can't prove that I was here. Yeah. So. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that it's a serious podcast when, when Coley's set up with the mic and not like in the process of taking a shower <laughs> during the yeah. podcast. Yeah. I want Coley on the treadmill again, please. Just run I considered it. If I get, uh, well, that was the point. I was, I, I would do my entire driveway. And by the time I was done, it had another inch of snow on it. Like it was, you could just see the progression, like the the Colorado River, uh, where it used to be before we ruined the planet uh, against the Grand Canyon. Like those markings, that's what my driveway looked like because it will not stop snowing. I'm, and we're getting more on Wednesday. Wednesday. That sucks. That's tough. <clears throat> I'm not, uh, <clears throat> I'm just not doing it. I'm just going to. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to keep putting down salt and hope that that melts the snow before I can start building up. You got to get a heated driveway, man. I am. That's you're, that's my next investment. I was going to say, like, you're, you're spending like $4,000 on a life-size Michael Myers statue when you could get a heated <laughs> driveway and be able to leave your house when it snows. How much do heated driveways cost? Probably more than $4,000, but it's probably worth it. I mean, I guess it depends on the size of your driveway, but I don't, again, I don't really have a big driveway, so all right, that's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> uh, it is it is Monday, Monday night, about about nine p.m. Eastern Standard, and the Red Sox town hall just aired on Nesson. And uh, I was saying to all the gentlemen here sitting before me that uh, yes, I was there, but I do want to watch it back because asking the questions. I wasn't really paying attention to what the answers were because I was, first of all, uh, I had an IFB in my ear, which if you don't know what that is, that's like the little earpiece where the producer is talking to you. So I, I'm getting talked to d- throughout this process to be like, all right, now TC goes. TC's got the next two questions. All right, Jared, you have the, the next question after TC asks this question. And <clears throat> I've got like my little note cards. I'm shuffling around. They're numbered. So, I mean, you know how I confused I get with numbers. And uh, I'm just, I'm, fi- I'm, I'm battling through hell out there. I mean, there, people, are, people are booing. 
Lots of booze. Crowd is pissed off. I get there. There. I mean, I love him to death. I get this one dude who's like sitting to my left. He's probably in like the second or third row. And he's just screaming section 10 references the whole time, <laughs> the whole time. And I'm like, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. All right. Anyways. And I got to do this. And he's like, yeah, but like bitchy two bags. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's like, he's like, crabs, crabs. Look, look, look. <laughs> I'm like, uh, fuck yeah. I appreciate the support, man. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to watch the town hall back because again, I, I didn't really hear every response or, or be able to like process all of it. Did Tyler, do you would know, did anyone transcribe the whole thing? No, I didn't find anywhere where someone went question by question. We just pieced it together on Twitter. That was it. It was the different videos that basically Red Sox fans that were there, other podcasts were uploading. We used that audio even for the radio shows today. That was the only way to get any piece of it together. Interesting. Um, so upon watching it back, the most interesting note to come of it was it, it, seems like every time that John Henry spoke was edited out. Like it, it seemed like the only people that spoke on the, the Nesson version of this was Heim, AC or Sam. And John did speak. He did, but not <laughs> on, on the Nesson uh, cut down version. It's not even like, because of the slurs, like he, right? it was uh some of the stuff i mean it it was i guess it was noteworthy some of the things he was talking about like uh the 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 quote that stood out to me was when he said you know baseball the economics of baseball sucks (laughs) and he got booed pretty bad when he said uh you know something to the effect of baseball players are really expensive someone was like you're a fucking billionaire. <laughs> like, but, but seriously, uh, like that's the shit we were killing owners for during the lockout. It was like that garbage speak that was coming out from different owners. And there he is. And we knew what camp John Henry was in during those negotiations, how he feels about the luxury tax as a whole. One of the supporters of it. He's just pushing it. This is why they don't let him talk. Like they will keep a muzzle on him at all costs. I think there's no surprise that he came to this event as his time to talk because it's not going to be in a media scrum where, you know, different guys can kind of send shots at him and not have a filter. It's going to be at least in the most controlled environment they could come up with. And when it comes to putting it on Nesson, he owns that company. So he has final say on what goes in and what does not. It, uh, it, I, I mean, I thought it was pretty fucking incriminating and damning when Jared asked a question like essentially just asking, hey, been a lot of chatter that your portfolio is a little bit too wide now and do you still care about the red sox and you know who didn't answer that question john henry that question was asked to john henry and sam kennedy answered that question which is fucking insane you're literally asking him if he cared about the team that he owns and he didn't answer unfamiliar never heard of him check the watch i'm gonna plead yeah that was <clears throat> that was uh, another thing that stood out was uh, do we have that cut, Jake? Can you can you uh, pull the audio of me asking the question to John and Sam about uh, like, do you still care about the team? Um, do we have that somewhere? I can pull it from Twitter. Just give me a sec. All right. So while Jake's doing that, uh, 
I saw it with my own two eyes, and then I just saw it. They, I thought they were going to cut that. Uh, but on the town hall, they show John Henry. I'm like, hey, you know, you got this portfolio, blah, blah, blah. Do you, are the Red Sox still a priority? And he gave the expression of like, what? What are you talking about? And then he looked at his watch. And then, and then he didn't answer the question. That's Sam did. Incredible. That's <laughs> so insane. People were interpreting that as like, how much time do we have left? Get me the fuck out of here. I think what he probably meant it to come off as was, how long have I been here? Like, I've been here for fucking twenty years, and like, I'm getting asked if the Red Sox are a priority. But just ju- if that is what he meant, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I'm not going to assume that that's what he meant. I think that's probably what he meant because how outlandish would it be to be like, is this thing almost fucking over? Like, get me out of here. Like that, I guess, brazenly. Um, but if that is how you feel, like, what the f- Are you seriously asking me if I'm still invested? Why let Sam take the question? Why not jump in and be like, yeah, I'm still invested. Like, yes, like we, you know, Fenway Sports Group and the Pittsburgh Penguins and Liverpool and this and that. But of course, I'm still invested. Like, why? Why was it so hard to just jump in and say that? Uh, I think it would have. I think it would have. Uh, I don't know the, like, the the tension in the room. It did not come across in the Nesson broadcast. I guess it kind of did in some of the Twitter videos that I saw. But when I tell you. That it was like, like B Rabbit versus Papa Doc up there. It was fucking like very intense. Uh, like you could feel the anger in the crowd being up there, and it, like I, I guess we can just jump into to some of the stuff that Heim was saying. But <clears throat> when uh when Heim first did his opening monologue, uh. He was getting booed heavily. They got booed heavily just walking out. And I think some people probably thought, like, that's it. Like, th- like we're going to boo them when they introduce them. And then we'll let them talk. That's not how it went down. Uh, they walked out. They got booed. Uh, the second that I- Heim tried to talk, I know that you guys are huge wrestling fans. After Roman Reigns beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, he came out and- to do a promo on Monday Night Raw. And the fans just booed. Like he, all he did was put the microphone in front of his face, and they started booing and booing and every time. And then he would put it down, and then he would put it back up, and they would boo. Like he couldn't get a word out. That's about as as close to that wrestling promo as I've seen in real life. Was Heim trying to speak for the first time, uh, like addressing the fan, and he did like an opening type monologue, and they were booing him just just by saying anything. And what what I said or what I compared it to was I was like, yeah, in 2016, I was the best man in my friend's wedding. <clears throat> and uh, I had the speech in my left hand and I had a microphone in my right hand. And I remember I was like, yeah, like I've done TV before. I've done Comcast Sportsnet. Like this is no, I work at Barstool. Like I'm in front of people all the time. And then I was holding it and my hands were shaking because of how nervous I was. <clears throat> As Heim was doing this this monologue. He was holding a stick mic. This was not like a lav pinned to your shirt. Uh, I was looking at his hands. And his hands were fucking... Boom. Not moving. Nothing. So uh, I think watching it in person, I came away from it being like, 
okay, he he's not rattled. And then watching it, getting the the Nesson angle of like straight on with Heim, uh, did didn't show any type of being rattled. He was, I think, he was probably expecting some sort of reaction similar to that, maybe not as intense. But I think he was prepared for a negative reaction. He got it, and I I thought he kind of like battled through. The only thing that was not great was when he said the word bet or bets maybe 11 times. That's it. Heim's also a Philly guy. He's He was born in the booze. That's what he said, too. He said that. They they cut that, too. But he was like, I'm a, I'm a, he's like, I'm a Philly guy. I'm used to this. Like, this is nothing. Um, but I will say, like, behind the scenes wise, because uh, I saw, like, you know, I tweeted some of the, the videos from fans in the crowd of the questions that I asked. And I saw a lot of people being like, well, there goes your access and you're never going to get invited back to Winter Weekend or this stuff ever again. To their credit, uh, to their credit for getting up there and, and being in front of an ru- unruly crowd, but also to their credit, I was told you can ask whatever you want. The only thing that's off limits is personal stuff, which I don't even know what personal stuff would ever come up. I'd really like to know about John Henry's personal life, please. Yes. What does he get into on the weekends? If you read uh, Feeding the Monster, it kind of does talk about that in there. I don't want to know. I I I, I don't want to know. Like, if you start start telling me, I'm going to stop you. I don't want to know that shit. (laughs) Um, It's not going to be good. That was the only direction I was given. The only direction I was given was these guys, as far as we know, nothing baseball related is is off the table like just no personal stuff and i was like okay so i was like I, i'm then i'm starting with xander bogarts and i gotta give a big shout out to tc tom karen because and i told him this the next morning i was like you have an ability or a skill to be able to tell the crowd to shut the fuck up without saying shut the fuck up and still maintaining a very professional tone uh which he did like when when they started booing Heim, he was like, "All right, now now, like like let him finish, like let him finish, like let him talk," and the crowd settled down. They let Heim finish. Uh, I think TC did a fucking awesome job with kind of like keeping it on the rails because I certainly wasn't gonna step in and be like, "All right, guys, stop booing." <laughs> like I'm just not like I, I I'm a I'm a guy that I wanted to. Not that I'm like rooting for any of them to get booed but i'm like this like vincent man like this is good shit <laughs> this is like this is this is raw emotion this is drama this is a good story this is good shit up here <clears throat> but uh yeah tc kept it on the rails and uh it was uh it was something but again i want to share that bit of information <clears throat> to anyone that was like you know like what the fuck like you no they they told me i could ask whatever i want so i did did you feel like like this situation winter weekend they wanted to basically get it all out there like let's answer these questions let's kind of put it to bed like you know spring trainings in three weeks we're going to be heading down there like we're sick of you know saying john henry hasn't addressed it we're taking every single question from every angle here bogarts devers back to the mookie bet stuff uh what happened with the luxury tax last year like we just want to answer everything so we don't have to keep having these conversations yeah yeah, I mean, I so the um the actual fan questions were all bullshit. And uh I think people that were up on that stage probably felt the same way. Uh I think that 
at least Heim, I can't speak for everyone, but I think Heim wanted the hard questions. Like, cause he, he's been on this podcast multiple times. And the first time he was ever on this podcast, the first question that got asked was, why did you trade Mookie Betts? That was the first question that he's ever been asked on this podcast. He's not a guy that wants to hide from the hard questions because he's thought about the responses already. And he more than likely has an answer for any question that you might have that's related to baseball or, or the team, any decisions that have been made, any decisions that weren't made. Uh, he's got an answer for it. So I also feel like Heim's been put in like a tough spot in a lot of ways, and he would probably like to explain himself when it comes to certain things. And yeah. giving given that opportunity and him being able to do it is a little bit cathartic for him, I would assume. Sure. Sure. Because you also have to figure, right? Like how many people can Heim talk to that understand his his position that don't work under the same roof as him that I guess can, I don't know, like I, I feel that, that can relate, but yeah, I, I feel like he welcomes any of those questions. So uh, when, when you put the microphone out there, I, I, I said this before we started, they edited it out of the town hall. One of the questions, someone went up there and was like, this question's for Alex Cora. Uh, what was it like managing during the 2020 season with no fans? <laughs> And someone just screamed, like, that was three fucking years ago. Not only was it three years ago, Alex Cora was not the manager in 2020. So clearly, there were some very angry, very opinionated Red Sox fans in the crowd that night. And I would imagine they did not get the opportunity to speak in front of the microphone or ask one of the questions that that they wanted to ask. But Back to the point of being told, like, you can ask whatever you want as long as it's a baseball question and, like, you know, don't let up. The first question that I asked was about Xander being like, you said he was the top priority. He's not here. What would you have done differently knowing what you know now? <clears throat> and then uh, the ownership question of, you have this is Fenway Sports Group, you've got a portfolio. Uh, do you still care about the Red Sox? Is that still your number one priority? Because it sometimes feels like it, it's not. So I, after that, I mean, I'll, I guess I can ask you guys what what questions really are like the hard questions after that. What made you think Trevor Story could play shortstop? <laughs> You're so mean know. to Trevor Story. It's crazy. Yeah, is, is, I'm the like only Trevor advocate Story. for Trevor Story in the city of Boston. That is since a we signed crazy him, take. Since true. we signed him, I said, do not play him at shortstop. His body will explode. What happened, Pete? What I, happened? Well, his I mean, body his, didn't his, explode from his playing shortstop. His body exploded from playing. <laughs> yeah. Like playing off-season shortstop, let alone a single game. He's a second baseman. There's nothing wrong with that. But this was doomed from the onset. That's why I would like to know, what about his arm did they see that every other team avoided that told them he could play shortstop here? I, yeah. felt, I felt really bad from just the pictures of Trevor Story being at winter weekend. Like, I feel tough. like they should have just let him stay home with his <laughs> mechanical arm just looking extremely sad in like every picture he took. I was like, this guy didn't need to be here. He's having a tough no. offseason as it is. 
I think going off where Coley was like that, that's the conversation. Maybe the one thing, like when you asked the Xander Bogarts thing, Jared, they took it from the standpoint of like, like this whole conversation started in the off season. Like it was like, all right, we're going to get to the off season. And then, Hey, it just didn't go our way with the Padres. It's like, well, you gave Trevor story this money last spring. What? Number one, I don't know what the fuck your medical team's looking at where they tell you, Hey, his elbow is fine. And number two, when you're looking at that, shouldn't that have handled, even if there was a, 10% chance, a 15% chance that he was going to need some kind of surgery at some point, which Peter Gammons was tweeting about. Other teams were already scared of. So I don't know. The Red Sox were the one medical staff that looked at it and said, hey, this this fucking elbow right here, guys, this is the one you want to bet on. That should have spearheaded your Xander Bogarts negotiations more. I think that's the one thing I would have hoped to hear their reasoning for like, why are you throwing four years, 90 million at the guy? Like, what was your argument then? And then Going off the June Lee report, you flipped it over the course of the season. You realized you were wrong. Do you, is that the regret? Is it's just not doing enough, you know, just about a year ago now to make sure you didn't have to take a step back for a year or two and now consider this a bridge year? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I did kind of ask about the bridge year too. Yeah, you did. I was like, I was like, you know, uh, how do you avoid the bridge year? Uh, no one wants to fucking hear that. Even if you guys won't say it out loud, we've ha- we've had bridge years. Maybe we didn't know we were in one until we were a couple months in, but they were bridge years. Uh, whether or not you feel like 2023 is going to be a bridge year, I guess it depends on who you ask or where your bar's at. Like, if I, I, is a bridge year any year that you're not contending for a championship, or is it a bridge year just a year where you're going to suck? If you're the boss in Red Sox and you're not going over the luxury tax, it's a bridge year. Because you're not using your financial might. You're not acting like one of these big clubs. Even the Dodgers this year, like we see they're doing everything in their power to get under the luxury tax. That just doesn't feel like a team pushing all their chips in. We look at a team like the Padres that are going over the tax for the third straight year, which we haven't seen. And they're pouring, you know, giving Xander Bogarts 11 years, 280 million. That it, that's what you know the big market idea is. If you're staying under, you're admitting, hey, we're not going to do everything we can to try and win this year. We're trying to play our cards right for you know the next year or the next two years. I would. By the way, I would have felt like last year was the bridge year because they were they said that they were going to be much better this season, which essentially would have translated to last year being the bridge to being competitive again this year. That would have been a good question. Heim. You told Kike Hernandez that the Red Sox were going to be much better in 2023. Do you feel like they are? Do you feel like they will be? Do you, do you wish you didn't say that? I feel like that would have been a better question. I saw he answered that a couple weeks ago. I, I, it might have been during one of the pressers or whatever it was, but he said, I believe we have more talent in the room than we did in 2021. That was how he kind of attacked it. Saying, I, I think the ceiling of this group can go even farther than a team that was two games away from the World Series. I don't think that's true. No, yeah, nobody's going to buy su- that. You, sub- you subtract Xander from the disagree. locker room. I mean, I think that they're more well-rounded, but they're not more talented. I think they're deeper in places they were like unbearably shallow. Like <laughs> yeah, but that's such a low bar to clear. <laughs> like, Sure, but to yeah. his point, that's better than last year. I don't know why he brought up 21. That was a mistake. But last year, yeah, this I do think <laughs> like 1 through 40 is you better. You have like a semblance of a bullpen. Right. No, like the one bullpen's through, good. One through 40 Farm right system's now. better. Like, 
Yeah, it's better than it was last. Yeah, he when he asked when he answers that question, he's not even talking about the major league roster. I think that's what upsets me. He definitely was talking about like, oh, we're so much deeper in the minors than we were in twenty one, and it's like we don't. And I love Heim. We don't care. Like I yeah. care. So- the Sox prospects guys care. Tyler cares. <laughs> that's about it. Like, but and, and if and you say stats. and if if you're the one saying like, oh, we don't care. Like that, eh, we really don't care. <laughs> Right, like, right, yeah. Yeah. And that's the hardest part because not only Heim did it, Cora did it for like two minutes on EEI during one of his interviews where legit, he just started like, it looked like he pulled up Sox prospects and just started reading the names going down the list. It was like Marcel Meyer, like he's like, you know, Nick York, Blaze Jordan, like one after the other. They couldn't say it clearer. Like even when you mentioned that bridge question, they kind of dance around it with the Theo Epstein thing. It's like, all right, like every time someone brings things up, you're talking about the prospects that are coming here. We I will say it. this. I, I don't or the rings like- in the past. They're very hung up on those. Like it's it's OK to be thankful for them, but also be like, hey, those were awesome. There's you didn't fold the franchise. You know what I mean? You're still here. So what's the point if you're not going to keep trying to do that? I don't feel like maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't feel like Red Sox fans are ever going to be excited about prospects. Not like as the as the number one priority or like the number one thing that's exciting about the team. I don't know. Like people are pretty fucking gassed up about Casas and and uh, Bayo. Like people are like excited about what he can do. Like I think that sure, Red but they're Sox excited are- about what they're going to bring to the major league t- like team and like what they're going to. I don't know. Red Sox fans, they they know. Like I feel but like they're, they're also here, right? It's- Right. Like, like that's the difference. It's right. not, we're not the Marlins and we shouldn't be, but like, we don't know. Like, the average fan, how many single A players could they name? Do they know Miguel Blaze? Like, not that they should or I feel should like people need, listen like, to this they shouldn't podcast. need to know that. Huh? I feel like people who listen to this podcast know sure, that's or care about one fiftieth of like the local fan base. Like, You're not Joe Schmo <laughs> turning the game on on the background who listens yeah. to sports like, and, radio. And I don't, and I don't what fan when I say is, when like I say that. that I don't mean that like they're not like they're gonna be like fuck these guys or like oh I don't give a shit about this or whatever. But it's like they're never gonna be excited about like the idea of just like a prospect alone. You're excited about when they arrive and who they're going to become, you know, like in, and like how they're going to fit in around the team that's already assembled now. Like, it's never going to be like, oh, I can't wait till Marcelo Meyer gets here and the Red Sox can build a team around him. It's right. I can't wait till Marcelo Meyer gets here and can contribute to the team that exists. And and see what he becomes. Like the team has to be here for people to care about the prospects. Yeah, this isn't Baltimore where you sit around and you're right. praying for years that Adley Rutschman's going right. to come up and save your franchise. Like right. you're supposed to have the financial tools. You're and not the ability excuse, to spend that money. You're not going to excuse enough. the performance of the major league team because of what's in the system. That's never going to happen here, or it the, shouldn't. The, it shouldn't. The best. The best thing fans want. Even when I like, even when prospects come up, is to trade them <laughs> yeah. more than even like see them come. And like Red Sox fans, when they do get here, are typically behind them. Like yeah. I think we all enjoy rooting for homegrown guys. I I don't know if we've had a player in our lifetime remotely as popular as Nomar. Like pure Nomar in the '90s, I think was the most popular Red Sox player in my lifetime. And David Ortiz won three World Series here. 
but you still see Nomar Jersey because he was our guy. He's There's a special sort too. of attachment that comes with a guy that comes up through the system and like who you right. are an early adopter of. And it's why losing a player like Xander hurts more than losing a, a guy you had traded for or a guy you had signed that is now moving. Like losing Xander, I don't think most people know JD Martinez is gone because he left the same offseason as Xander. And JD's one of the best free agent signings in Red Sox history. And it just feels like he didn't really get a goodbye because Xander left. He's probably the second early. best big money free agent signing in Red Sox history. Yeah. Objectively, yeah. like who would you put above him? And then I know people Maybe. are like David Ortiz, David Ortiz. David Ortiz was not like he wasn't a big money free agent signing. They he, took a flyer he, on David Ortiz. Yeah, he wasn't even the fucking starting DH. Pedro demanded it. Like. Yeah, Pedro was like, <laughs> sign this fucking guy. Um, but by the way, we, we've made it, I don't know, a half hour into this podcast without saying we opened up the voicemail lines to the listeners of the Name Redacted podcast to hear from you guys on what you thought about the town hall and whether or not the boos were justified or if they were over the line. Jake, how many voicemails did we get? Uh, I stopped counting after the first 6,000. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got your voicemails coming up later in the program. Uh I'm I'm interested to see where people fall on that. Before I get into this ad read, though, I did want to share with you that some fans, and I didn't see this because I was uh, I was looking at everyone else on the stage. I wasn't really looking out into the crowd, and it was also like the lights are in your face, so you can't really see the crowd that great. But I was told that fans like walked out, like it was so uncomfortable, like the booze and the taunts. Like this one guy kept yelling Dave Dombrowski. Anytime that Heim tried to talk, one guy kept yelling Dave Dombrowski. Um, there were some fans there that felt so uncomfortable that they got up and left. So it was weird. It was a weird, weird fucking feeling to uh like I <laughs> very different from the, the next morning. The next morning at like ten o'clock, me and Adam Pellerin hosted the the Nesson Kids Press Conference where we went out there, a bunch of parents, a bunch of like six and a half year olds were up there like this question's for Chris Sale. Like, how do you throw a baseball? And I was like, ah <laughs> This is this is so much like, I don't. last night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I, got, I forget, I got, man. It's been a while. <laughs> I, I got to. There's just uh, a six year old in the back of the room. Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> 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 I got to uh, got to catch up with Chris Sale in the uh, green room before we went out. Got to talk to Trevor Story a little bit. Um, I feel like those guys are probably within reason to be able to get them on the podcast at some point this year. I don't know, like if Trevor Story, because he said. Uh, on Saturday, I believe he's like, "Yes, I'm going to play this year." So right. I don't know. That still doesn't mean he's going to play this year, but he believes that he can. I, I uh, believe that the exact quote was, um, "I, I I'm going to play this year. I'm going to play this year in my mind." And everybody was mind. making jokes about like what he, what is happening in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of shit happens in my mind that doesn't actually happen in reality too. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's still six to nine. Eli months. passed a Plaxico so many times in my mind. <laughs> I housed that thing. 
uh, he also he probably shouldn't. Again, I'm going to be the the lone advocate for Trevor Story. Listen to the doctors, get healthy because there's yeah. still five more years left here, and I'd like you to play. I genuinely would like that. There's no bigger Trevor Story guy than Coley Mick, who says, "Sit out the whole season, pal. Even if you feel like you can play, just fucking. We'll see you in 24, dude." Uh, uh, Coley, so, even with the new, or you know, his elbow being fixed, are you still no shortstop for him? Does he have to stay at second base for you? I don't know. This is a relatively new procedure, right? Like, yeah, Seth so Manis. They I call it the Seth Manis surgery. Yeah, I don't know that I buy fix and i i do think like i think he could be talked about as like one of the best second basemen of the decade if he sticks there like i genuinely believe that at shortstop i do think it's kind of kevin euclid's moving him back to third and that ruined his career it ended it sooner than it needed to i think that'll happen at short i genuinely like I, that's what i believe so i'm not a doctor if they truly think this will like what did you say it was ninth percentile last year his arm from second base eighth even worse eighth so it's like from second and now we're moving him farther away it's it seems like we're putting a lot of stress on something that was already a problem that's where i'm like i don't know that this is the best if the doctors can truly fix it that's awesome everyone should get this surgery and i'll be like yeah the surgery helped tremendously but up until now like if he had not been training the throw from shortstop this winter do you think he gets hurt i I don't know based off it's based on know. what happened last year, probably. <laughs> it's weird. Like, so, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago when Haim had his presser and like he was vague about it. He said, you know, something popped up. Story says, you know, he started ramping up and he felt something different, something he had never felt before. And he said he thought at the end of 2022 or yeah, at the end of 2022, his elbow felt stronger. He, I don't know. The metrics don't tell you that, but he thought his arm was getting better. Whatever felt right to him. I, I think it's just one of those things where like, the elbow was damaged in any time you would stop or you would take a break. And even last year, you played in 94 games. It wasn't like you played 160 and you're like, yeah, my elbow right. felt great afterwards. You were kind of in and out. You missed you know, more than a month at a time, a couple more weeks at the, at the end of the season. I don't know. I, I just don't believe that it was not a problem. Like He felt something. There had to be something there, which just makes me sit in questions like, I'm, you kept saying, you're like, hey, you know, story, if he's our shortstop, it's fine with us. If that's the stuff you're betting on and he was this close to needing elbow surgery, I just none of it comes together. The puzzle doesn't fit. There's a detail or some part of this that's not, you know, fitting right. I mean, they also refuse to play him at shortstop on Xander off days or like when Xander would leave a game early, which happened at like three times, but they refuse to play him there. I don't like and they, I won't buy like, oh, we didn't want to create controversy. You did that when you signed him like that <laughs> already had happened in like. The and argument an that extension would have done that too. Like you could have signed yeah. Xander to an extension, and nobody Correct. would have yeah. nobody would have been like, "Ooh, they're playing story at short today." Wonder what this means. <laughs> and it wasn't like they were playing anyone at shortstop that was like great either. Like you have Christian no. Arroyo out there, or you know Bobby Dalbeck <laughs> in certain points. Like you were really like trying to get your ass together here. I don't know. I, I, I believe I'm when he says this team will be better. Bobby Dalbeck should take no innings at short this year. That's already. <laughs> And that was heroic of him. That was genuinely heroic. But better at shortstop than first base. It's actually impressive. I do respect Coley digging into the stance to like 
he cares about Trevor's story so much that <laughs> that he's the I, I only the one, the only one who likes Trevor's story. It's now twisted as Coley is the only person that likes him in the entire in the entire region like. of New England. I never said like. I've, I've got his back. I've got his best interests in heart. And that's been from the onset. I said the day we signed him, if, if he's playing shortstop, this is a terrible idea. If he's playing second, I'm all on board because we haven't had a second baseman since Machado took out Dustin Pedroia. That's been a revolving door position. Having Story and Xander was a great idea that no one who could make that happen agreed with. You can make the case that Trevor Story is not even in the big leagues if it's not for Coley's support. Uh, listen, was anyone else trying to sign him? I was. <laughs> no, I mean like other teams. Oh, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, the Rangers wanted him in center field, which also would have torn his arm to shreds. Like no one, no, but Pete, how much, how much evidence do you need that I'm the only one who's got his back here? I don't know though, but seeing him throw from center field, like trying to th- make a throw home, and just watching his arm explode in real time would have been quite entertaining. It's a scary reality that every number is telling Heim that something is bad, something is not right, and he's still like, you know what? Double down. Let's make it worse. Coley's here to protect him. Thank you, Coley. You should be like his agent. <laughs> Didn't he fire? Did he fire his agent after yeah. the debacle of <laughs> his? Yeah. yeah. Did he rehire? Did he hire anyone after that? <laughs> what, what's what's the point of hiring an agent after you sign a six year deal? It's like, all right, dude, like. If you didn't what like am I, what am I going to pay you 10% for? Yeah. What, what are you going to do for me? I'm, I'm under contract. And typically when you fire the agent like that, you still have to pay them. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying negotiating. Like, yeah. I'm saying right. why would you get an agent after signing a six to seven year deal? Well, for the next like, one. He, <laughs> you, got, was, you got time. You have time to make a decision. He was with Wasserman, right? Now he's with Excel Sports Management. And he was, it was him and Freddie Freeman. Yes. That had mm-hmm. like the whole fucking bullshit. You know, Freeman ends up not in Atlanta. He's actually yeah. pissed. Yeah. Story. You know not bullshit though. Uh-huh. Fucking blue moon. Tell me more. Um, I'm going to have some blue moons this weekend because I'm going to probably have a. Oh, yeah. Pete, you, are you coming this weekend? Yeah, I'm down. Uh, I'm having a Royal Rumble party at my house. Uh, just Pete's coming. <laughs> I'll be so mad if I show up and it's literally just me. Well, why would you be mad? You don't like hanging out with me? No, but like the whole thing that you sold me on was that like it's going to be a cool atmosphere for the Royal Rumble. It is going to be a cool atmosphere. So look at this. Just you? There's a fucking sword <laughs> up right there. There's a sword, the sword on my stairs. I may it's end up sword. committing seppuku if I have to watch an entire R- Royal Rumble with you. It's, it's very dull. I don't think you... I, like the only way you're killing someone with that sword is if you bludgeon them to death with the, with the handle. <laughs> I'm going to jump from the second story onto onto the dull blade and i think it'll work okay it could work i mean it, it is a it is a longer fall for you than most people that was mean that was mean. why did i say that? i don't think that that works that way yeah it's it is exact if same amount of, it's no, the same distance no no, no jared's right no, no th- there is a difference depending if on coley jumps right. off the balcony and pete jumps off the balcony well it depends is coley, is coley jump- for pete i don't know if that's true is coley jumping yes, feet is. first if coley's jumping horizontal it's the same distance for both of us. If we're both horizontal on the Our way feet down, are both on the same ground here? Like we, no, <laughs> we're hitting the ground the exact same time. No, who, no who do you think is in more peril if they jump, Coley, because of his mass, 
like big tree fall hard or would Pete have a better chance of survival because he's so little? I think the impact would be harder on Coley. It, again, it depends on like, is he, are you jumping feet first? I don't think that's true because it, when, what? when you in wrestling, they teach you to put your arms out in because it's more surface area and it spreads out the impact. Correct. So if Coley is bigger then he has more of a surface area for impact. And for you, the, the impact is more isolated on your little body. No, it's the same. It's the same no, energy being no, sent through not. the rest no, of your body. No, 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 if no, you're no, standing no. on a roof and you drop a rock in a feather, the rock's going to hit the ground before the feather. Yeah, but that's not, we're not, we're not debating who's, who's Coley's not a landing first. No, Pete's the feather. Coley's oh, the rock. The but, but with the question here is, isn't, that, isn't who's going to land first. It's gonna. It's who's gonna be impacted more. The, the literal thing Jared said was the distance was farther for me than you, which is just flat out. That's wrong. I'm, I think that's gonna, wrong. No, no matter right, what, can we move on from that? The distance we, is for but sure. We've since moved on to. We need to move. It's on a draw. This is a draw. But I think we, if Pete balled himself up, he could hit it like an asteroid and actually <laughs> hurt the Earth more than himself. <laughs> I, I mean, it would definitely sound more painful for Coley. But without question, <laughs> if but I think it's I think if if you guys both fell like fully spread out, it would hurt more for Pete because his <laughs> wingspan and his leg span is not as vast as Coley's. Coley has the opportunity to spread out the impact more evenly, whereas Pete's true. impact will be more condensed. No, that's I think it's it's, it, it's like the belly who can flop. We, who thing. would know this? Who would who would know this? Well, that's like what no, belly think- flops are, right? It's like anybody can do a belly flop, and if you do it correctly, it's not going to hurt you. But like a bigger like a bigger person can make a bigger impact on the water and like the splash, and it won't hurt them as much. But it's going to have a bigger impact. Who would know this? Roan's dad would know this, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know its number. I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying with the surface area argument, but I, I don't. I think it would hurt pretty bad for both of us. Definitely, <laughs> but someone it would hurt more for someone, and that's someone you're also too. assuming I fall perfectly, which is not how falls work. <laughs> but yeah, we both it, have to put, fall in the exact same way. Like it, it has to way. be it, a, like a controlled fall for both of us. But all right, this this is this is the argument, right? If I take a if I take a 12 inch by 12 inch piece of wood and I I drop that square the impact is going to be much less than if I take a a, a circular rock and drop that that what's going to hurt the floor more the circular rock because it's it's more yeah, but what we're ta- what, what you're talking about here is a piece of wood and then a bigger piece of wood. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about a rock. If I all right, no. fine. Then if if I take if I take a a I Rubik's thought Coley cube, was a rock. if I take a Rubik's cube made out of wood and I drop that, <laughs> what? Just follow me here for a second. If if I have a piece of wood that is 18 inches by 18 inches square. And I drop it flat like this. Mm-hmm. That will have much less uh, of an impact on the floor 
than a wooden Rubik's cube that if I drop that. But why are you changing the like, why are you changing I'm talking about the, sizes. the thing that's being dropped? Like if if me and Coley are because dropping I'm talking in about the something, same. I'm talking about something that's big and spread out versus something that's little and condensed. But you're why the am little I little and condensed? condensed I thought because we, you're little and condensed. <laughs> Yeah, but we're both, but but it's just a smaller version of the way that the other thing is you're dropping. Not, but you're not a smaller version of Coley. He's, He's bigger in humans. every way. He's bigger Pizza, in Pizza every way. I'm an adult man. I'm just a smaller adult man. I don't understand why I have to like ju- like get into a little ball and jump off or something. I, How I is this an you, ad read crack, for Blue Moon? I heard if you crack Pete open, you got another smaller Pete, and if you crack Alan yeah. open, there's another. I'm a, a Russian, Russian doll. Nesting doll. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, Jake. Am I making sense? It makes sense to me. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of third graders right now. Don't include me as part of that. Did you? Do you agree or disagree with me, Tyler? I'm strongly on your side. You were making That's great a points. bad sign for you. No, it's a great no, it's sign. Not. sign no, for you. no, it's, it's not. A, He's very smart. Thank very you. Smart. Thank you. He's very he doesn't smart. even wear makeup. <laughs> he doesn't have because I don't naturally, need it. Naturally beautiful. Yeah. Naturally beautiful, Tyler. Thank you. I've always said that. Many have. Um, yeah, and also many have also enjoyed a, a blue moon, <clears throat> even in the wintertime. Because trades, free agency, roster cuts. Baseball season feels so far away, but excitement is already building. Blue Moon gives you a dose of ballpark nostalgia without even being at the park. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. I just pictured Pete being a little Rubik's Cube. (laughs) (laughs) At the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and an iconic orange slice ritual guarantees a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience all year round. We'll have the blue moons flowing this weekend at my Royal Rumble party with just me and Pete. Uh, I'll get up. I'll get like how many? Like is is eighteen good enough? Should we get? Should we get like a twenty four? Some thirty blue moon? Thirty six blue moons for the two of us? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's get seventy. Let's Fuck get it. seventy blue moons for me and Pete. At the Royal Rumble extravaganza party this weekend at my house. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all off season long. Make winter weather feel like spring training. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is one of a kind every time. Get Blue Moon delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing. (laughs) Works a lot. 
Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Um, what was I going to say during that? I had a thought while I was reading well, that. Well, the, the only thing I can think of is <clears throat> in the documentary, The Other Guys, The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson both jump for the bushes at the same time. And they're uh-huh. different humans. And they definitely uh, created the same amount of splatter. Correct. It's a movie. Doesn't count. No, no. I said documentary. He did say documentary. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a movie? Yeah, but it's a, a true movie. Like this footage was live. Correct. Okay. Cole, Coley also said it was documentary. I retract. Mm-hmm. I retract. Thank you. Um. Suck one. <laughs> and... I'll own it. Suck one. Uh. So obviously, I was not. I was not paying attention to Twitter during the town hall. Um, what was that like? Was Twitter was Twitter a war zone as well? I would say it was probably as toxic as I've seen it all off season. Like sitting there, I was telling Jared, you know, before we hopped on, that was the night of my anniversary. We had dinner plans at seven. Jared texted me. He goes, "Listen, six fifty. This thing's starting." Kick the reservations back an hour and a half because I needed That's to watch this unfold on Twitter. That's so crazy go- that you did Listen, that. Listen, five year anniversary, it's not going anywhere. That's cr- and it's like a like a milestone. Like oh, five, it's, it's not a big like, deal. hey, oh, it's our fucking <laughs> Listen, <laughs> like the only two years. things that I know about Tyler's relationship <laughs> is that when the Red so- when the Red Sox news happens, he does not want to be touched, does not want to have sex, just don't <laughs> get out of the room. Don't, Reverse doesn't, boner. Even, doesn't even want to share a room with her. And then uh, the other one is that if the winter if winter weekend coincides with his anniversary, winter weekend takes precedence. <laughs> well, I had told her initially when we first talked about us going to winter weekend, I had to break the news to her. I told her, hey, I love you. I care about you. But like, I'm going to be gone on a work trip that weekend. She came to accept it after some conversations. Um, Your girlfriend but, seems like a fucking saint. I'll say that. She is. No, she, she, she is. is. She, well, this is what it takes for me to get by. If, if I can't do this, then I'm not going to be okay. But she sat there. I let her sit, you know, in the hotel room or whatever. While I, I was let on my her phone. sit in the <laughs> hotel room. Well, I could have asked her to take a walk around the block. We were in the Tyler's city, whatever. Some maybe water and some crackers, and she was fine. <laughs> there were plenty of activities going on. Um, but there I was. I gave her a wooden Rubik's cube. She was playing with it. <laughs> a wooden Rubik's cube. <laughs> Tussled her hair. I said, "See you later, so let's, let's <laughs> It works for us. <laughs> <laughs> but. The main conversation happening was you got like the bloom side who said straight up any of these fans who went to this event and spent money to go and boo them were spoiled, entitled assholes. And then there was the other side that was like, this was our moment to kind of finally like, listen, no fake fans are showing up to this. The real fans are here. And if we want to bitch, we're going to bitch. And it was just both sides going at it and being like, you know, you guys, you know, are fans the wrong way. And then the other side saying, you guys are fans the wrong way. And both basically arguing over how they love the Red Sox and go about them. As somebody who like, I, I would consider myself like a, like a bitter fan for in, a lot of different times. I'll tell you one thing that I'm certainly not going to do. No matter how fucking bitter I am and how mad I am at the Red Sox front office and management. And I've been very mad at points this, this offseason. I'm not going to spend a Friday night driving to Springfield and paying money to go to winter weekend just so that I can sit in a crowd for like two hours and boo them on stage. Uh, that I mean, if anybody was like, I'm going there 
and I'm going to boo him just just because that's what I want to do. Like, that's psychotic behavior. But like the people that are going to that are the people that care about the Red Sox and are the most invested. And a lot of those people are going to be mad and a lot of those people are going to want to boo. So, like, I, I can't imagine that it was people that were like, we're taking this over to boo. No, it's people that were going to be there regardless of what happened this offseason. And it just so happens that they were mad. No, it, like not, these people aren't casuals. I think the only thing is like, yeah, you have the right. Like they've made promises that they haven't kept. That, that's the reality. Some of it's been to their own fault. Some of it hasn't. But ultimately, if everything went right this offseason, they're over the luxury tax. Xander Bogarts is here, need of all these year, and they're trying to chase a championship. No matter what other way you put it, they're not doing that anymore this year. I just let the guy like Heim, let him get through what he has to say. Boo him walking on the stage. Boo him after every question, whatever it may be. But at least let the guys talk so we can hear the plan and get a feel for it. Like we all sit here and say we want straight answers. We want to understand what's going on. Let them talk through it instead of like just booing over them. I think that would be my one complaint. Like boo all the hell you want. Just the only pick exception. Your spots. The only exception would be booing when Sam Kennedy tried to answer for what if John Henry cares about the team. Exactly. Uh, they should have booed through the entirety of Sam Kennedy trying to speak and forced John Henry to say something. That that's kind of how I felt too. Was you know you, these people paid money to to be there. This wasn't like an open house town hall. Like if you live in a town and there's a town hall meeting, if you live in the town, you just kind of go. Red Sox fans paid money to be there. So it's it's kind of no different than being at a, a baseball game. If you want to boo the opposing team, like whatever, you cheer, you boo, you paid your money and you paid for your ticket. But to Tyler's point, let the fucking guy talk. Like if you want to boo him when he walks out, fine. I don't I don't agree with booing Heim, like if if you're it's, I guess it all depends on what you're mad about. If you're if you're still mad about Xander, that that's an ownership decision. Um, that's an ownership thing. Uh, I I if there's probably other things that you I guess you could boo Heim for. Like I'm not saying that he's got a perfect record or a clean slate with with the fans right now, but I think the uh, like if you were looking at a heat map of things that Red Sox fans are pissed about. You could probably put ownership at the top of the list for for the reasons why people are so pissed off about specific things. <clears throat> but regardless of who you're booing or why you're booing them, let them talk. Like at least let them say what they've got to say, and then boo. Uh, Especially Heim, because Heim, like I'm not the biggest fan of Heim for like the job that he's done, but at least I can say that Heim seems very willing to to speak up and like defend himself, defend some of his decisions and speak on things. And I respect that. And he seems like a good dude by all accounts, even if I'm not the biggest fan of of the job that he's done to this point. I I want us want him to succeed and I want him his plan to work because he seems like a good dude and he talks and he's transparent for the most part and upfront. And I like that it's the bullshit that he kind of has to that he's been kind of painted into is the my my problem. I think it being year three, you can't just keep talking. It's a prove it type of city. So I agree. it's like, yeah, I, boo is often as like, but there's worse things that than booing. 
and Haim can take it, and I think it's important that he shows... Like, I feel like he's shown a pretty strong face throughout this offseason. He was hired to trade Mookie Betts, and then ownership has not made it any easier on him since then. And he stood tall outside of that, uh, again, weird article that was talking about him needing a minute uh, coming back. Yeah, that was fucking... That was fan fiction. That wasn't even an an article. It was fanfic. Right. So, outside of that, like, he... Everything I've 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 heard I've seen him say this offseason it's been like yeah I believe this is the guy I have I've never had any problems with him which but is I like I have no problems with booing yeah no neither do I but I, I think it's weird because it's like the let Heim cook people have been directing that at like other fans who have been critical of Heim whereas like the let Heim thing cook now I think is very clearly transformed into like hey maybe the ownership should ownership should let Heim cook like right. that's what that should mean now, because I think that Heim has greater aspirations than what have he's been allowed to execute. Yeah, I think like if he could be genuinely truthful, and that's an impossible thing for someone in his position to be. But he'd be like, "Do you think I wanted to trade fucking Mookie Betts? Do you <laughs> right. think I thought that was like the best idea? Like, do you think I wanted to not just match Xander? It's not my fucking money. I don't care. Like, he's not." an idiot he's not unaware of what like the talent leaving means and that's why he focuses so much of his emphasis on the minor leagues which is risky because eventually they're either going to have to be traded or come up here and show that they were worth holding on to uh and that's like a high it's a high wire to walk and i'm i'm fairly confident he'll be able to see it through at least a couple more years because i don't think john henry's paying attention per his his non-answer no, I don't think we're going to see another Charrington to Dombrowski because number one, there's not another Dombrowski in this game that you can call that's going to step in like that. Like if they fire Heim, you know, they're going to hire another quote unquote nerd. Like it'll, it'll just be another guy from another organization who's in a VP role. But I think ultimately that's why you hear Cora. Tom Warner said the same thing at Devers press conference. How many more times do you have to hear them talk about the minor leagues? Like that is the plan right now. It's the next wave. We'll sit. We watched Bayo and Casas this year, Whitlock as well. You hope those guys take another step. You know, Hauk, if he's still here, and they formulate that core, and then hopefully they believe at that time, along with Devers, as Meyer and York and these other pieces come up, they'll supplement them. And you'll have a younger core that's kind of maturing a little bit with the wave of prospects coming year after year after year to some degree. And we'll see. Like, I I think this year we're going to see when the prospect rankings come out, like, they have five guys in the top 100 right now. Now, one of them's Yoshida. So that, yeah, you know, it's kind of cheating. Uh, does not count. N- does not count. But at the same time, like I'd sit there and say, well, Nick York, right? Like if Nick York is 75% of what he was his first year in pro ball, he's going to be right back in that top 100. Mm. Uh, and there's plenty of names that you go down the list that could jump into the top 100 here uh, with a strong year. Mikey Romero, if he shows up and he hits like he did when he, you know, came in to start pro ball last year. It's nothing to talk about. I think the minor league system's going in the right direction. They're just, they've pivoted and they're willing to wait. That's the one thing. Like, it's frustrating. They shouldn't be at this point. They should be competing. That was an FR, Jared. Don't give me that. I know. I was surprised. Thank you. I was proud of you. Um, But the the problem I have, too, is they talk about the minor league like it's the only option. Like, they could not uh, do both. And that's what gets infuriating. The other part that's infuriating is you also still have old media shitting on the minors uh and not only just the players themselves but like 
how responsible Heim is for the amount of top 20 guys they have. Pete like Abe. Abe was, yeah, Pete Abe and all offseason, uh, Shaughnessy's been like the biggest Casas hater of on the plays. Like, this guy hits 116 and we won't trade him for a pitcher. It's like, yeah, that that's going to be his career, all right? He'll never <laughs> improve. That's it. That's, the, that's why the Marlins want him so bad, because he stinks. That's it, the key to trading. <laughs> And that was one of the things that like really pissed me off with that Pete Abe tweet because, and I think uh, it was Ian Cundell from Sox Prospects who like hopped in yeah. there immediately to kind of like explain where Bloom was coming from. And it's like, yeah, when Dombrowski got fired at the end of 2018, the farm system was ranked 28th per Baseball America. They were at the very bottom. Hey, you want a World Series, so like that's what it cost. But when Dombrowski got fired, they were around 24. The reality was, though, a majority of the farm system was in the lower minors. Like the guys we talk about today in Tristan Casas, Brian Bayo, uh, like they were a long ways away or they just hadn't even broken out to that point. Like you go back all the way to when Heim got hired in October 2019. Like this is your top 10 here. And tell me what guys you could look at as the team was, you know, in financial hell, like in a really tough spot in some drafts from Dombrowski where, you know, Cameron Cannon. Uh, Brett Netzer, like a lot of these guys early in these rounds did not work out for you. But it was Tristan Casas, low in the minors. Brian Mata, low in the minors. Jay Groom, low in the minors. Gilberto Jimenez, low in the minors. The first name you could actually bring up that was going to help your team to some degree was Bobby Delbeck. And, and like, no offense to Bobby Delbeck, no one was ever getting him confused as a top prospect. Like, th- th- that wasn't Bobby Delbeck. After that, it was Jaron Duran, who hadn't even broke out yet. And then Tanner Houck who even at that time, his stock was so low. People forget it now because he came up and shoved at the end of 2020. Tanner Houck's stock was in the frigging garbage for a while. They, they were wondering if he was even going to be a relief arm in the big leagues. And he pieced it together while at the ATS. But what, Noah Song never ended up playing much beyond you know that first taste of pro ball. CJ Chatham, adios. Thaddeus Ward, rule five. Like Those were your top 10. None of those guys were coming to help you. And I think that's where you talk about the farm system and they want to go, well, hey, look at the, the top 20. Half of those guys are Dombrowski guys. Yeah. So you're telling me the same argument you're using to crap on Heim. Prospects take a while to develop. That's the name of the game. When you sign some of these younger guys, especially internationally, they take years. Well, yeah, the farm system is going to take years to kind of progress forward. Dombrowski, was he ever bad at finding talent? No, it was just consistently keeping the minor league stocked. It was, you know, keeping the depth of the minor league. So you had those waves coming. He was shipping out parts to win a World Series. That's what he was. Bloom was brought in to hopefully keep those waves coming over time. I think now we're finally getting the first taste of that where it's like a couple years in a row, we can see legit minor league pieces coming up where early on in that 2020 and that 2021 area, it was the complete opposite of that. When, when you asked earlier, Jared, about hard questions, you think you would have, you should have asked or could yep. have asked. Mm-hmm. I genuinely would like to hear if they think they're putting too much pressure on Marcelo Meyer, because from where I'm sitting, it feels like they are hanging the entire franchise. Yeah, like he's not, he's not going to, well, I think Cora, this was not included in the television broadcast, but he used Duran as the example. He said, um, I forget what the fan question was, but it was something to the effect of like, you know, how do you take minor league guys and make them into big league stars? And Cora was like, I need to do a better job of getting them acclimated to the big league level because 
you know, take Jaron Duran, for example, like it was unfair that when he came up, he was expected to be like the savior of the franchise. And this dude was batting lead off and he, he, you know, he changes his batting stance like every other week. If he was struggling, he's like, I need to get, you know, guys warmed up. And it's, it's like, if a prospect gets called up, it shouldn't be on them to save the team. Like you should never call a guy up. It should always be to make the team better, but never to be like this sort of savior figure. And Duran got put in that position and he used Ellsbury as an example where he's like in 2007, you call up Jacoby Ellsbury. He's batting towards the bottom of the order. But by the time you get to the World Series, now he's your leadoff hitter. And with Duran, it was like, just, all right, you're the leadoff guy. Go. And it just didn't work like that. Um, but with Marcelo Meyer, we still don't have an Elvis Andrews signing. Uh, you know, I think people kept pointing out, I didn't see it. But I saw some tweets from people being like, have you noticed that any time that Kike or AC were asked about Kike being the opening day starting shortstop that they kind of like laughed about it? Like they acknowledged like, yeah, like he's a shortstop, but it like wasn't taken very seriously. There's still like the Hassan Kim rumors out there. Uh, But even he has what, two years of control, Tyler? Yeah, it's two years of control. I know last episode. With a weird option. He won't pick it up. It's basically a way for him to get to free agency. Okay. So, so he's two got years two of years of control. Uh, Elvis Andrews is 34. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I mean, he's still out there. So I, it would seem like he's either holding out for a multi-year offer. Or he's sifting through one-year deals, whatever whatever his situation is. But either one of those options is a bridge to Marcelo Meyer. Um, and... Lou Merloni made the point, I'll, I'll use it again, but Merloni made the point about, you know, even if, even when he comes up, it's still like, hey, we need to give this kid some time to get acclimated. He's not just going to come up and be this superstar. Maybe he is. I don't know. I mean, it's happened before, but like, right. you know, you don't have, you don't expect that. No, you don't want to expect that because it's probably not going to happen or and that's it. okay. You don't want to need it. You don't want to need it. You don't want to need it. You don't want to expect it. Yeah, like that's why uh, some of the justification for not signing Xander Bogarts, some fans being like, well, all right, now that that's a clear path to Marcel Meyer in a couple of years. It's like, is it a couple of years? Because like, it's going to be a lot longer than that. Not a lot longer, but it's not going to be a couple of years. You're going to be waiting for a little bit and you've got to figure out what the bridge to Meyer is. Like, I, I think the Sox prospect guys put it perfectly. It's like, you never even start thinking about a prospect impacting your major league organization until they're at least in double A. Like that that's the conversation you have because just so much can happen. There's so much stalling, like you said, even getting to the majors and trying to figure it out. Like, I think the Red Sox wanted Xander here. It's pretty clearly they did. They were at six one sixty. They were willing to put another offer on the table. Did like, you hear they, did you hear Alex Cora at the town hall? He said, We made a good offer. And they were willing to go and beyond that, as we know from the reporting. So like they, yeah, they were in the ballpark of what everyone thought Bogart's market was going to be. But you took the risk with AJ Preller. 180, 190. Yeah. You, you would have got there. Um, but I think they People looked at it. People would have been so furious if they gave him 190. Oh, my People God. Furious. A hundred percent. They Everyone would have said they signed to aging shorts up, yada, yada, yada. It's just the reality is they don't want to go over the luxury tax at this point. I don't blame them. And yeah, they'll stop gap until they get there it's just it sucks because it just feels like mediocre baseball feels like you're kind of just accepting mediocrity at key positions and right because that's the bridge to the young guy and that's when you start a new bridge to that, when he's 
You know what I mean? And it's like, like so Devers were just going to, and I don't think this is what's actually going to happen, but it, when they talk like that, it's like, all right, so you're punting the next five years of Devers? Is that what I'm, what I'm hearing? I think they look at it and they're like, we'll punt at least this year. You know, we'll call ourselves average. Maybe next year we beef up a little bit more and we kind of walk that line like we did in 2022. Uh, maybe we slip under this time, depending on how things play out. But then we kind of shoot come 2025. And I, I don't think it's a super long rebuild. And I don't think it's something they wanted to, you know, it shouldn't have taken this long in the Heimbloom plan. But I think this is their way of taking at least one step back instead of potentially having to take three or four if they made some crazy investments this, you know, offseason to try to make up for it. But I think that's what confuses me the most about this offseason. You sign Justin Turner, you sign Yoshida. Those aren't moves that say like you think you're going to stink this year. You you don't go get a closer as like your first big signing if you're not intent on making one of these new playoff spots. I think like there might be mixed messaging in there because those signings to me, if you're if you're not trying to contend, why are you signing Justin Turner to be your DH when you could just take a uh, I mean, it's a tw- what is it, why are you signing a legit signing cl- closer if you're not right? To I mean, if you're like Vramil Reyes is 27 years old, he's a flyer. We've seen him be good in the majors, but he would command like a non roster invite. Like, that's the kind of move you should be making if you're building this bridge, if you're not trying to compete this year. But to me, wouldn't you say that there's like a, a decent gap between being labeled as a contender and being labeled as a team that can like. M- contend for a playoff spot yes and no i mean i think with baseball specifically if you are in that mix you can cash in some chips at the deadline and turn yourself into an act like i mean i think the braves are going to be poisoned for a lot of teams the next decade uh with that buyer's mentality but i do think baseball kind of like hockey as long as you're in the dance you have a shot um and you you should think that way because we've seen it time and time again um so I I get what you're saying in terms of like perceive like right now it's like oh yeah the Astros should be a World Series contender the Blue Jays the Yankees like they clearly should be having different thoughts fan base wise but I think the team should be like listen if we get in there with this pitching with this bullpen with a couple of guys uh, at the top of the lineup yeah we should be able to compete with anybody and then if we can add someone even better. And I think that's where the Turner in the bullpen signings, it's nothing that's going to shoehorn you for or keep you in a tough spot for much, you know, beyond those two years. It's like, hey, we're not going to suck. We're not going to say, hey, we're going to go win 60 games and call it a day. It's like, no, we're going to give you an average team, maybe a little bit above average. And it only takes one time for it to click. And we go on a playoff run. Like, I think you talk about the 2021 Red Sox. They weren't as good as they were in the first half when they were dominating. And they weren't as bad as they were in the second half. They were a good team. You know what I mean? And they got hot at the right time. I think that's the formula you'll see them kind of like you see with the Rays or the Giants, some of these other analytically driven front offices where it's like, hey, we're, we're not going to completely pour all our chips in or if we're just not in the situation to, we're going to give ourselves a lot of upside. We're going to kind of cross our fingers and we'll make a decision come the trade deadline. Yeah. And, and I think that like addressing some of the areas that they addressed this offseason doesn't necessarily like signify that they're trying to put together like like a world series contender, but it, it, it it signifies that they're addressing areas of need, which they didn't do last year. And we had to criticize them for, in like the first two months of the season where it was like, well, you, you knew that you needed like another outfielder. You knew that you needed bullpen help, 
and you didn't address it. A first baseman. Right. And it's like, well, why didn't you do that? Which, at least like, they're doing it this year, even if it doesn't necessarily mean that they fully believe in this year's team. They fully believe, it seems, in putting together a team that is complete. <laughs> like, and that's and that's the baseline of what we can expect. We've which got all is the positions this year. Yeah, right. we got them all. <laughs> and that's what's so fucking stupid about the last two years. It's like. Last year, when you pushed your chips in to be a championship team and you went over the luxury tax, like there is no reason otherwise to fill those holes. You're spending beyond what the limit is. You've accepted your penalties. Cool. In the year where you're just staying under, it feels like you've done more to clog a lot of those holes or at least mm -hmm. the clear weaknesses that you had. You don't have the same ceiling you had last year, but it's just like, you know, this approach of filling stuff and making sure the roster is well-rounded. That should have been how you approached it a year ago instead of half-assing it. I'm not overly excited about a fucking old-ass Justin Turner joining the Red Sox or Kenley Jansen joining the Red Sox, but it's like, hey, these guys are capable and they're gonna right. they're gonna be uh they're gonna help this team be more complete at least for the next season, and that's something that I'm appreciative of. They've they've given themselves a couple of like safety nets. Uh, in terms of like when a guy goes down, when if Acasas twists his ankle and isn't ready when he should be, they have a fallback plan. Uh, I think it was I think it spoke volumes when Cora talked about Kenley and being like, yeah, they know how I like to have a set bullpen. And like it was like we didn't have anything remotely close to that last year, so it's nice to have or the year before, whose, yeah, the year before. whose names I know uh, that didn't that weren't in uh, Worcester yesterday. Like that, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Seriously, <clears throat> like when is the, yeah. like the last time that that happened was twenty eighteen? Yeah, not to throw shade. They just like. had bodies. Like they literally just had warm bodies in the bullpen. They it, it was maybe five six weeks into the season before it was just like the fucking woo socks were up here. <laughs> like that was it. <clears throat> they just kept rolling them out, being like, "Oh, uh, we have a roster issue. Here comes someone else from fucking Worcester." Uh, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. In this particular case, it, it didn't necessarily work out. But uh, that's that's a credit to Heim. I know that there's some people who oh, fire Heim. <laughs> Like Heim built you a bullpen. He's got a bullpen. Uh, the one thing that I was gonna ask, <clears throat> I didn't necessarily know how to phrase it without it coming off as like somewhat insulting. <laughs> but I wanted to say this is how I would have phrased it if 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 it wouldn't have hurt anyone's feelings. In 2016, uh, if the Red Sox had a rotation of Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, and James Paxton, we would be talking about the World Series. It's 2023, and that's obviously not the case. So how will you be managing those three guys in particular to get the most out of them? Because we know they're not making all 32 starts. All three of them, there's no fuck. And we don't even know, like with Paxton, is he even in the fucking rotation? Should be. He sh I mean, yes and no. Like, you look at those three guys. You got Bayo. You got fucking Whitlock, Pavetta. Like, the, someone, someone that is supposed to be starting is not going to be starting. And they they made the point they're not going to a six man rotation. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So correct. I don't know. I the signing of Paxton makes no sense to me. If he's your like long relief guy, he like, signed himself. Playoffs. 
He did. He did. <laughs> Four million. Well, like in the playoffs, that would be great. In the regular season, you use that guy like once a week. Like I, I gotta go with like the highest potential guys. And you can say whatever you want about their injury history and they're old and they're broken down, but I still look at uh with Bayo in the mix there, Paxton factors in for me. And and mm-hmm. I like what Pavetta can bring from an innings perspective as a four or fifth starter, which I'm not having this debate again with you, Tyler. Puts fucking and, and then we didn't even mention Tanner Houck's name. They talking about I mean Tanner Houck might end up in a trade at some point. He might not even be on the opening day roster. They're talking about like Tanner Houck in the rotation. You're talking about Garrett Whitlock in the rotation. Keep those motherfuckers in the bullpen. I would be more than happy with Sale, uh, Paxton, Kluber, Pavetta, Bayo, some combination of those five guys, and keeping Whitlock and how can the bullpen making an like an even better bullpen than it already is like that's that's going to be a strength of yours having having a bullpen where the only time that you feel like oh shit this is not going to go well is when Brazier's name gets called and then and that that's it that's really it I, like i i, I just do. i, I want to know how like how do you how do you look at that rotation those three guys in particular that i mentioned and what is because the, there is a plan. I would imagine there there already has to be a plan of how do we keep these guys healthy? How do we get the most out of them? I think the way that they're setting it up to be first off with Whitlock, even more in a year where you're not competing, it makes more sense for him to be in the rotation. Like if you're going to try it, do it now. Like if you don't have championship aspirations, figure out if he can start for you and if he can be one of those mid rotation arms to move forward with. All right. Awesome. That extension looks 10 times better. I think you kind of look at their bullpen and where it's at. I don't think they're going to expect Chris Sale to go super deep in games, at least early on. And the way they were kind of talking about it, Alex Cora as well, saying like early in the season, like the most important thing, like you might see them come out with some weird pitch counts or whatever. Like we need to keep their bodies right. Like that is the most important thing. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some things that relate last year to Rich Hill and Tanner Houck, where they were basically fused together into one starter. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that with Paxton Uh, and they kind of ease those guys along that way. And you use Paxton as your second lefty in your bullpen outside of Jolie Rodriguez. I I don't think that's out of the realm here because it's just like you go down the list. Sale has to start. Kluber has to start. Bayo, like, come on. Core has said it himself. He believes he's going to be starting. And Pavetta is the one guy you can depend on in terms of innings. Where where do you make up if you're not going for a six man rotation? Maybe you tell Paxton, hey, we're going to give you three to four innings and we're going to pair you with someone else. And we'll kind of treat that as a way for you to get that underneath your belt again. Do you think it's outrageous to be higher on Paxton this year than Sale? Um, <clears throat> uh, I would say I'd be a little higher on Sale just because over the last three years, it hasn't been a ton, but we've seen him start at least in the regular season, and be successful. Yeah, I think it's, it's like it's a 317 ERA in 50 innings. And if you're going to criticize Sale for like not being able to be healthy and then point no, out they, like the, James Paxton, the it of, seems unfair. The freakest of injury. Well, I think that's where it's like Paxton had a baseball injury. You know what I mean? Chris Sale, like he might go on like the zipper at his local carnival and get <laughs> launched into the nearest ravine. Like that's a thing that might happen to him. You never know how he's going to get injured. And it's like, Baseball but, injuries happen. Sh- sure, but like it's also like James Paxson keeps suffering baseball injury after baseball injury after baseball injury. 
and you know what's going to be I feel hard. Like he, he, I feel like he pieced together a stretch there between the Yankees and the, the Mariners. Yeah. He was solid. It was a good three years for him where he was relatively healthy. Yeah. He just, and he just couldn't. The first inning, he would give up four runs, and then the next five innings, he'd be lights out. Like That was his whole thing. Yeah. He was like, the first inning, anything's going to happen here, but then I'm nails. I don't know. Just him coming off that surgery, not rushing it last year when that sounded like it was the plan going into the season, I, I feel that just feels like such a traditional, okay, I, I feel confident about his one year here um, because then he's going to hit free agency and be like, I don't know, one of the eighth eight best pitchers available potentially next year. So I think he just had so much motivation and it's not even a knock on Chris Sale. I don't even know if I believe that. I just thought it was an interesting question in terms of what his ceiling could be. That's the tough part because you know, Paxton has the ability to be a number three or a number two starter. If he's right, it's just, all right, well you say that and it's like, yeah, you can say the same thing for Chris Sale, but he's also under contract for next year and he's making all this mm. money. I so feel the same about like both of them where it's like, I'm not expecting much from any of them and whatever you get is kind of like found money. And I think sure. the Red yeah, Sox would. Fair. Yeah, I think the Red Sox are like, hey, if we can put them together and we get like a pretty good upper rotation starter, we'll take that as a W. It's just it's weird to me. I would be all for the six man rotation idea. I still think it makes a ton of sense for them just in terms of preserving sale, preserving Whitlock, Bayo in his first full season. And then you'd be protecting Paxton as also. But BOH has shut that down like three different times now this offseason. So I don't know. But, you know, Cora said, I have no expectations for Chris Sale. The dude's the number one pitcher in your rotation. They have no expectations for your ace. That is a scary world to live in. Is he? Who's starting opening day? Chris Sale, right? should be Bayo. I I would agree, but it's not going to be, right? They're going to give Sale probably the respect unless he's not ready. Yeah, and they're like, I mean, we just talked about the the Marcelo Mayer thing or Meyer thing where it's like you don't want to you don't want to put too much pressure on these guys. Having Bayo be your opening day starter might be a little too much. I think I he think that so there's going to be though. some sort of innings limit on every fucking starting pitcher that they have, like except for Pavetta, I guess. But they just don't uh, he's his own fucking pitch limit. <laughs> the The way that I. And I don't want to put this out into the universe, but the way that I'm looking at this rotation with those guys that we just mentioned, because you can even throw Whitlock and Hauk in there where it's they've had their injury concerns for young guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're talking about veteran guys, Sale, Paxton uh, and Kluber. <clears throat> they have injury concerns. And then you talk about these younger guys. Uh, they have their injury concerns. I don't want to end up in mid-June being like they are who we thought they were like why did we ever think for a single second we could go into a season with these guys and think that that was going to go well I mean you you take what you can get and they're all talented guys they're all mm-hmm. talented starting pitchers fine but the writing was on the wall all along with some of these guys I don't want to be having that conversation in June when the wheels fall off and you look at the depth and it's like, well, all right, Josh Winkowski, come save us. It's like, well, nope, season's over. And I think that's where like, you look at it and this is one of the grades you got to give for the offseason. They said multiple times they want an upper rotation arm to kind of stabilize everyone, Twos take everyone threes. down a roll. And like, 
it started as twos and threes, and then they said, "Hey, take fucking Corey Kluber, who's hanging on, and you know he's a four starter. Like, enjoy him, have fun. Like that. That's where you sit there, and it's like no matter how you want to kind of bring the positives or the change of plan, they didn't get what they wanted there. And just a stabilizing that's, pitcher would have made a world of a difference for this whole rotation. That's why you boo while they're talking, because when they talk unbooed, they lie. That's why you boo because <laughs> there are wrong. lies coming. Um. Do, do would we even feel better about the rotation if they had if they brought in Waka too? Because it's not like he was captain healthy last year either. No, he's still I, out there. I, I think not? we've seen the best of Waka. I, I do believe that. I think Corey Kluber is just another version of him. Soft yeah, contact, like you know, a lot of easy soft contact. He's not going to miss many bats. Maybe Waka's stuff velocity wise is a little bit better at this point. But I think you could also go and say like. Kluber, maybe with another season under his belt, his velocity doesn't drop as much as it did last year. And his advanced metrics were better than Waka's anyways, if you kind of dive into them. And you don't have to so, make a two-year commitment. Right. When uh, when Kike and Cora are laughing about him playing shortstop, does that mean he's playing second or does that mean he's playing center? Because I'm still kind of in on him playing center. And like I've read too much of Duval saying like yeah i really like only having to run one way playing center isn't great for my body yeah i've not enjoyed reading some of that and a lot of it was uh snicker when he was talking about it, it was like yeah he started hitting once we stopped you know kind of demanding him to be mike trout in right. center field like he was able to get it back underneath his belt but then you have to trade verdugo it's like so are you going to be able to find a trade that way to open things up and he wasn't at winter weekend i'm not trying to say that means something one way or the other but he wasn't was there it? Uh, Verdugo. Oh, yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. He was never even on the list, which is, I don't know. He seems like a guy who's kind of made for something like that. But yeah. Jaron Duran was supposed to be there. He didn't show. Same for Kenley Jansen. Um, I think there was something, something got fucked up with Duran's flight. Oh. I know that he was going to go. Um, Something got fucked up with his flight. I don't think that, that that was like a read into it type deal with him. He felt like the guy who needed to go to winter weekend so he could win some fans over just by being He lost you know, his flight in the lights. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that that's the tough part. You can move Duvall to right oh, field and it's Kike in center and it's like, all right, we're gonna run Hunter Renfro 2.0. Well, like, exactly what it is. Maybe he hopefully hits 35 jacks and plays good defense in right field. All right. Well, what happens if you went and signed Elvis Andrews and Jose Iglesias? Can you do that without going with a luxury tax? Eh. Probably. Is there an update there? Uh, over those two? Yeah. No. Both still sick. connected and nothing more than that. Sick, they have sick, sick. $12 million to spend. That's so assuming that, get that those guys for $12 million. I, I Surprisingly, I looked at uh, Elvis Andrews' uh, fan grass projection. They had him at two years, $20 million. Now, mm. I don't think he's getting that. But if you call it, I don't know, one year and eight... Or one year and ten with an option or something. Pretty hard to get both of them at that point. You're gonna be right both. up against it. I don't want both. I believe in Christian Arroyo. Well, if you got both, you would have to get rid of someone, and that makes the money different. Yeah. So it doesn't say you're not move, quite twelve. Yeah. If you move for Dugo, right? That's a little chunk of salary that would probably make up for whatever that is. Right. I don't know. They're in they're in a weird spot. And I think now with the Marlins thing, we'll throw this in here. Uh, you know, Pablo Lopez, not that I wanted Pablo Lopez at this point or really ever did. You know, we wanted Edward Cabrera. Uh, that was the hope. 
Now it looks like they're not going to be moving any of their pieces because they're moving Jazz Chisholm. So the idea of Joey Wendell and Christian Arroyo at second base doesn't seem too likely anymore. I don't know if I believe the Marlins. You don't think they'll move uh, Jazz out there? Yeah, I got really excited when they said that. That feels like an insane thing to do. That, I, I thought the same thing. When they said we're moving yeah. Jazz to center, I was like, perfect. That means that they want to trade him. That's exactly what I thought. I mean, <laughs> all last year, they were like, we fucking hate this guy because he's <laughs> way better than the rest of our team. He likes baseball. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he keeps telling us how much better he is than the rest of our dog shit team. So we don't like that. And then they're like, oh, yeah, let's go trade for uh, a hitting second baseman. And, yeah, we'll play Jazz in center. That's not a thing people do. That's not a thing that happens. <laughs> no. Did you guys read the report uh, Rosenthal had on that? No. So apparently Jazz, like days before the trade, was like shagging balls in center field. It, now that I'm saying it out loud, it does sound very preconceived. Uh, but he was like t- shagging balls in center field. He was like, I was having the time of my life and I was telling them like, hey, put me out here and I'll find a way. And then days later, this deal goes through and Skip Schumacher texts him and is like, hey, you're our new center fielder. Like, get ready. And Jazz is like, Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite player my whole life. Like, <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be for me. Remember when... uh when Manny dicking around, he would take grounders at shortstop if they had just fucking traded Julio Lugo and they were like, Manny, we see you out there practicing before the game. <laughs> like, you're the new shortstop. <clears throat> we're going to make a trade that for left field. Incredible. We're going to bring in Maglio Ordonez, Manny to short. <laughs> we've seen, it, we've seen that, that backhand pick out there during, during batting practice. So uh, we're moving forward, Manny to left. Um, all right. Do we want to. Uh, Play some of those voicemails. Let's do it. All right, Jake. Hey, guys, it's Johnny from Virginia. I think the booze were completely necessary, and I am pissed as hell at Heim for how he handled it. Look, you got to wear Team's been underperformed in the offseason. He's underperformed last year. You got to wear These booze were completely warranted, and Heim's got the balls to come out and start talking about like condescending, like this is why we traded Mookie or this is what. No, no, no. I don't want to hear any of that. You got to give me a plan forward, not reasons for why we shit the bed the past year and a half. So I think the booze are very warranted. Love the show. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks. Okay. Fair. Next one. What's up, guys? Um, overall, I think it is justified. Um, basically, the reason I say that is because it's ultimately showing the ownership group, and that's why I love that John Henry was up there. It's showing the ownership group that, like, hey, listen, we're we're pissed off at what happened with Xander. We're pissed off at Heim. We're pissed off at John. Um, but at the same time, it's still showing the ownership group that, like, we still support the team. Like, everyone that was there when we can all paid and had tickets to get there. So, overall, it's showing that we support the team, but at the same time, we're pissed. I think it was really good to see um, John Henry there. And all the guys that actually feel like the reaction of the fan base was pissed off. So thanks, guys. That's, yeah. So uh, this was another thing that got cut from the Nesson broadcast. But TC said, um, you know, do you have any final thoughts to everyone there? And I went first and I said, I understand everyone's pissed off right now, but we've got an arena full of Red Sox fans that drove out to Springfield in a snowstorm to talk about baseball in January. And I think that that's pretty cool. Um, 
so i i was happy about that um but yeah like i, I they were talking about it on eei today i was flipping stations back and forth because i called into sports hub after they were talking about manny <laughs> i just called in to talk shit with beetle and zo um but i was listening to what they were talking about on eei as well and they were saying something to the effect of you know like this is like a like the opportunity for Red Sox fans to like let ownership know, like it could be like a pivotal moment, like if they get so pissed off and they can see how pissed off that the fans are, that it'll create change. I don't, I don't think that that's gonna veer the Red Sox off the course that they were on prior to getting booed. Like John Henry, he, he as an owner of Liverpool. I feel like he has had his feet to the fire in Liverpool far worse than he's had to experience in Boston. Uh, and Haim, like I said, just sitting there, he was not rattled. Like he's not going to be like, oh shit, like we got to pivot and do something else. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it having any type of impact moving forward, but it, it was, uh, it's, it's their right to boo and they're pissed off and, we heard him. Yeah, I think that's what's like good about Red Sox fans. It's like no matter what, after a year where you came in fifth place and you're considered, you know, you and the Giants are the losers of the offseason, people still care that much because most markets, this baseball team would be written off and no one would be talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's what makes Red Sox fans great. And that's why they show up. Those are diehards who showed mm-hmm. up to that event. No people who don't give a fuck or indifferent on baseball are there. So, yeah, they should have an opportunity to let that out. And let's be real. It's the first time they've had a chance to do it with John Henry. So that sparked it. I think if John Henry didn't show up, there'd be booze, but I think he lit the flame. Like his presence just being there is a trigger to everybody. People are mad at Heim and they should be. There's plenty to be upset about. But John Henry, it's like, all right, the guy who we've all been kind of chasing after and talking shit about and looking for, he's in front of us. Let's let it out. The only other thing, the first voicemail, it's like, I understand you don't want to hear the bets conversation over and over again. But if you're going to understand the reason things have played out the way they have, that was the first step. Like that is the, you know, the thing that got the ball rolling in whatever direction it did. So I do think it's important. Did he have to do the bets thing throughout that? No, that, that that doesn't sit well. I think that's doing a little bit too much, but overall you can't have a conversation about what's happened with this team without starting there. Cause that set the tone for everything, you know, Heimbloom in Boston. Yeah, and and I guess like I guess Jared has to answer this question, but like, did Henry say any like obviously he didn't say anything on the final cut of the Nesson thing, but like, did he say anything of value and of like accountability? Um, no. <laughs> no. Uh, so like, so that does he doesn't even get credit for that. Like we talked about it before. Like he never puts himself in front of anybody to talk about this team, and. To his credit, sure, he shows up at winter weekend, but does he still get credit if he doesn't fucking say anything? To me, yeah. the answer is the answer is no. If you show up and and don't fulfill the what everybody's asking of you, you may well as not may well as not even shown up. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's I, I'm more just kind of I, I think that they thought that the Devers extension bought them more goodwill than they obviously received. I think they went up there thinking like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, yeah, we just paid $331 million to Devers. What the fuck's up now? And then they're like, 
Boo. Uh, I, yeah. That means they think we're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I mean, just, I, I don't I'm know if I'm going to be able to get past like, the fact that he couldn't answer whether or not he cares about the team. Well, did not, I mean, did be, not come speak on, they have to have $9 tickets. It, it would it would have been so easy to just address that and say, yeah, of course I do. Would I be right. sitting up here right now if I didn't care about? Would I have team? given Raphael Devers that yeah. money? I just it, I I had a whole philosophy about not giving three hundred million dollars to one player, and I just wrote a check for three hundred thirty one million dollars to the player that you guys were pissing and moaning about at the Winter Classic. I was just trying to watch some fucking hockey. Now I got to write a check for three hundred thirty one million dollars to shut you guys up, and now here I am in Springfield, Massachusetts. The, right. the fucking armpit of the state just to <laughs> just to sit up here yeah he should have been like i'm a billionaire and i'm yeah. in springfield massachusetts right now yeah what do you think yeah, yeah right. it, it, he literally could have said one we could have said yes he could have said <laughs> anything been... anything at all i, I mean uh, <laughs> he could have given a thumbs up and would have been like mm-hmm. all right well he answered that question <laughs> he didn't say anything didn't say he anything. said nothing yeah that was uh, the optics That's of that crazy. one. Crazy, but all of that being said, I think the answer is yes. I just don't know why he couldn't just say that. <laughs> I don't know why he couldn't we'll just answer the fucking question. But I don't know. I, it, it's maybe it's just like one of those character flaws where it, it, he just—he's he, a multi-billionaire, so obviously he's a very smart man who's made a lot of great decisions in his life, but. When it comes to the Red Sox, he he cannot help but shoot himself in the foot from time to time. You would that think that he would want to just moments. like show up just for the purpose of getting a quote that he could recycle for like the next twelve months to like point to. Yes, I care about the Red Sox because does didn't they say that like he gets mad when like it's questioned whether or not he cares about the team? Sam Kennedy's been getting fucking pissed every single time someone's brought the question up because he has to answer for them. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I thought that like a a month or two ago that it was specifically said, like it bothers John Henry that the question is asked whether he cares about the team. And then he was asked whether he cared about the team and he didn't give an answer. (laughs) Crazy. It would have been so easy. (laughs) So easy. Like I put it on a tee for him. (laughs) Like here. Here, John, sock this one out of the park. And he's, he, he laid down a bunt. He didn't foul. even pick up the bat. Foul. He oh, laid down say. a he bunt didn't... foul with two strikes. No, because you got to do something to bunt the ball. Yeah. Like, he literally was in the batter's box, and he just walked away. Checked his watch and walked away. Incredible. As you were delivering the pitch. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> Next voicemail, please, Jake. What's up, fellas? Mike from Allentown, Pennsylvania, longtime listener. I'm actually in the middle of listening to last week's pod right now and just got to the whole titanic shit show. Um, so I thought that was a great time to pause that shit and get on here and said, I don't know what the fuck Tyler was trying to say there. I ain't even going to talk about that. Anyways, uh, when it comes to winter weekend, hell yeah, the booze were warranted. We ain't. This isn't the Oakland A's. This isn't the Colorado Rockies. You can't just, you know, have a shitty offseason and hope it goes under the radar. This is the fucking Boston Red Sox. All right. We need to, we need ownership to fear the fan base. 
so that the next time they're debating whether or not to jump in on a big free agent or offer someone a contract they're actually worth, they feel that their hand is forced because they don't want to face our wrath. Just like we just saw with the Devers extension. We scared the shit out of John Henry at, at that hockey game, whatever the fuck it was called. And the next day, Devers is locked up. We need to keep the pressure on until we get that next ring. Have a good one. I feel like that guy is saying that we should threaten them with guns without (laughs) saying that we should threaten them with guns. I mean, you think about it. When that guy scaled the green monster during the pandemic season, we saw results. We saw (laughs) results when when physical safety was threatened. So, yeah, I I think we should bring pitchforks to games moving forward. It's about the the, uh, it's about the implication. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very calm stands filled with pitchforks would be the biggest home field advantage the sport's ever seen. Absolutely. Other teams would be like, the fuck is that? What kind of children of the corn shit is this? Yeah, we're not saying do anything with the pitchforks. No. Just, just hold them. Just, just imply it's, it. it's about and the implication. Very, again, the, the amount of silence I need, I can't overstate enough. I don't want to hear a fucking sound the whole year. The silence and pitchforks. That's the 23 Red Sox. That's not uncomfortable that would be. That would be so uncomfortable. <laughs> just, uh, a walk-off just, grand slam, everyone leaves quietly. No single quietly single yeah. files out of Fenway Park with their pitchforks. Yeah. Just look up at Heim, nod your head. <laughs> you lived again today, friend. You one more day. See you tomorrow, bud. <laughs> Adam Duvall hits a fucking grand slam, and all you just hear is a clank off someone's pitchfork. <laughs> Get stuck on it. <laughs> Ooh, it would be sick though to call somebody in from the bullpen, and then the entire crowd doesn't cheer, but they just they bang the pitchforks on the stands. <laughs> that would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> Kenley Jansen running like, down to the mound. Ask for this. <laughs> Kelly Jensen retires after his first appearance of the season. Yeah, who was that dickhead on the Dodgers who was like, the fans are too close. Now we've got pitch. That was their pitching nah. coach. Right, yeah. Oh, what the fuck was his name? Honeycut? Rick Honeycut? Oh. Yeah. We'll cut our right. Yeah, we will. Next voicemail, Jake. What's up, guys? This is Paul from St. Louis. Uh, look, I just got one thing to say on the matter. Last time we booed John Henry, he signed Raphael Devers for $331 million, all right? I think the lesson here is that booing builds championships. Uh, that's all I got to say. Thanks. It's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. I mean, it's... Builds not, character, I don't know builds that championships. Gonna, I don't know that it's going to work this time, though, because there's there's no one left to throw $330 million at. That's they should give think. Elvis Andrews $330 million. <laughs> 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 they just go absolutely berserk. Yeah. We heard you loud and clear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Elvis Andrews through his age 44 season. Yeah. Just break him <laughs> off a 330 piece. <laughs> you wanted him. You got him. <laughs> he lives up to it. He's like, I got to. I can't. I can't. He's like, you dies. see all these pitchforks? I can't fucking. <laughs> you can't disappoint anybody. Yeah. 
He just gets suspended two games into the season. It's like, I just, I felt the pressure of this $330 million contract. I wanted to live up to it. So I just started taking all these steroids and I mean, shit. <laughs> the most steroids ever. Yeah. Dude's, dude's sitting out for 80 games. Elvis Andrews with his fifth AL MVP. Uh, <laughs> no one saw this coming. <laughs> I just wanted to live up to the hype. I will say I don't. I don't think the boot. Like, don't get me wrong. The booing was justified, and you should do it. But I don't know. I now looking at it and how we know things played out with Devers and Henry down in the DR, and right after the Bogart situation. I don't know. I don't look at what happened on or with the Winter Classic is what pushed them to pay Devers. Like, no correlation. Like, I know that is kind of how it got pieced together in some ways uh, with where media was at the time and the stories, but like. I don't think that's it. I think that just tells you they're going to have their plan and they could give a fuck less what we think right now. Could that change with the disaster season? Sure, we've seen it before. But I think that's why they're going to ride this thing out with Bloom. Because I don't think they feel the pressure like that. I really no, don't man. at this point. They don't. The people that were up on stage do not know. Are there other other people in the Red Sox organization that feel the pressure a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, but the people that were up on that stage, I think that they walked off and they were like, well, that was crazy. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I think that was it. Yeah, I don't think any of them lost any sleep. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, I Maybe actually... Because he has to deal with it. I talked, to, I talked to John and Linda right before they went up to sleep. <laughs> because after the, after the town hall was over, um, I went to... Like there were a bunch of people in front of the stage. So I met like a bunch of people in front of the stage for like an hour. And then I went to dinner with Gomes and Middlebrooks. And they were staying at the hotel inside the casino. I was staying at the Marriott, which is like a block away. <clears throat> so I'm walking through the casino with Middlebrooks and Gomes. And they get to like the entrance way to go up to their rooms. And then they were like, all right, see you later. And I was like, all right. So I was just by myself. And there were a bunch of fans that had kind of like congregated in front of like the entrance that were all like the players who were staying there would go up to their rooms. So then I ended up staying and like talking to a bunch of people that were uh, in that entryway. And I got stuck there for at least an hour. And because I was stuck there, I saw John and Linda going up to their room. So they stopped. And I talked to them again after the uh, town hall. They, I mean, there was no like, wow, that was cr-. like, the, it was almost like it didn't even happen. They're just like, all right, yeah, you know, have fun. It's good. Like, it wasn't so, like he wasn't rattled. I don't think he gave a flying fuck. Uh, so much so that I was showing him. He has uh, billions of dollars. I guarantee you, he did not give a fuck. Did not. a few people booed him. Nope. Nope. I do, uh, if if I w- there was anyone that was like they were rattled after that, mm-mm, just didn't it, it didn't occur. And I said like the the only thing, the only regret was that the fan questions were vetted to the point where none of them had anything to do with like things that they really wanted to address. That was probably the only regret that anyone up there had. You could have had like a room full of angry people throwing their own fecal matter at me for like an hour straight. And if I could walk out of that room covered in shit and be like, well, that sucked, but 
I still got billions of dollars. I think <laughs> I would sleep totally fine that night. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even shower till the next morning. It's like, who's going to tell me differently? <laughs> who's going to tell me I'm a billionaire? Yeah, I think that he was fine. Yeah. Plus, yeah, he probably didn't even know like... where he was. Yeah, he's got the, the Michael Jackson injection before that. And he was <laughs> on Pluto. He had no idea what was happening. That's why I couldn't speak. <laughs> Checking the watch to see what the drug is. Checking his watch. Is this shit wearing off yet or what? (laughs) (laughs) Next voicemail, Jake. Hey, boys. My name's Sean, Western New York. Red Sox fan for the past 15 years. I got to say, those boos were more than justified. Quite frankly, I don't think they were enough. And just the few video that I saw, it really isn't enough considering the only way that John Henry and those other schmucks were going to come out and take what they deserve was in front of people who had to pay almost a hundred bucks each to come there. If they were real brave and they were real owners, they would have stepped out in front of the public with no hesitation and taken the verbal beating they deserve. <sighs> we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you when the season starts, boys. Thank you. Mm. You're welcome. He, he is right. Like ultimately, if they really wanted to step out, I'm saying John Henry, not Heim. But if John Henry really wanted to step out and have this conversation without some form of protection, he would have done it. He would have come to a media scrum, or he would have came to the Devers presser. And sat there and let them hit him with questions. But he knows damn well he's going to talk himself into trouble. Everyone in that organization knows he's going to talk himself into trouble. So that's why you have Sam Kennedy who jumps the line when he starts talking. And is like, I'm not going to let this fucking guy cause problems today. Like, he's going to sit here. So, you know, you can check him off on your list. Uh, We're going to cut him from the nesting programming when the fans bullied him. And he couldn't comprehend what was going on around him. Like, they know he's a walking disaster when it comes to this stuff. And they're just going to try to minimize that as much as they possibly can, which is a horrendous look for a guy who is your owner, especially the owner of the Boston Red Sox. But this is what the deal has been for years now. They've kind of just learned to live in this world. Pretty much covers it. Jake, what was your take on the town hall? I definitely thought there was more booing than um, I originally thought there was going to be, but I don't know. I mean, it was good to just see the fans get to finally voice their opinion after what feels like them not addressing anything for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the <clears throat> the Chris Catillos of the world will piss and moan all over Twitter. Like, where's John Henry? Why isn't he here? He's fucking old, dude. <laughs> like, Sam Kennedy is the forward-facing member of that ownership group. And even to an extent, Tom Warner... Uh, who doesn't really get brought up a lot in all this. I feel like Sam Kennedy is the guy that goes out and wears the arrows for the ownership group. John Henry is the guy that opens up his wallet on behalf of the ownership group. And then Tom Warner is just kind of there. But to my understanding, Tom Warner is more on the side of where fans want the Red Sox to be in terms of like let's fucking spend some money like let's be aggressive and and to that nature whereas 
whereas John is more on the let's get under the luxury tax and let's reset the tax penalties and let's you know not pay pitchers over 30 and let's not do the 300 million dollar contract that's more on the John side of things whereas Tom Warner is more on the like we're the fucking Boston Red Sox let's spend some money side of things um which is interesting i i'd love to <clears throat> i'd love to be able to sit down and talk to uh Tom Warner cuz i feel like he doesn't do interviews i feel like we don't really get to see behind that curtain very much and maybe that's just because people don't really seek him out to to know that about him and he and and who knows like maybe he's he's not going to be like yeah so here's the deal right like john is a cheap fuck i'm balling all right like i want to spend all this money like he's probably not going to like throw anyone under the bus but if he talked like that i'd want him removed <laughs> so fast but i so fast. i i've never seen him do like a long form interview before I thought when he was at the Devers press conference, he was pretty good. Like just discussing, you know, like we talked about earlier, he was super into the minor league conversation. What that means moving forward, the outlook of the team the next couple of years. It's just like, I don't know if John Henry could name one Red Sox prospect. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see how many he can go down the list and actually have a clue. He just looks so out of touch. He just looks like, yep, my, you know, assistant told me i have to well, be here at this he time he pays people to be in touch for him uh, that's it and like you know that's part of being an owner but when you're the owner of the boston red sox it's just not gonna fly it's not gonna fly with the people around here and like you know i'm looking on twitter right now and that same conversation we had that tweet now that it's aired of uh you know john henry looking at his watch it's already blowing up on twitter and you know we talked about it we reacted live as we watched it on the pod or on TV and then did the podcast. That's how quickly fans have already picked up on what was going on. He's lost all whatever goodwill he thought he was going to get out of showing up. It backfired on him very quickly. Damn. Good effort, I guess. Maybe Not really. Jared, what was the buzz like around uh, Rymel Tapia? Were people buzzing? <clears throat> when I tell you, Springfield PD was out there greasing the the light poles because they knew <laughs> they knew that Red Sox fans were were gonna start climbing shit, flipping shit, lighting <laughs> things on fire. Um, <clears throat> people were pumped. Like think uh, think like Vancouver riots, but like mm-hmm. happy. Yeah, it was like Woodstock '99. It was like Woodstock 99, like minus like the naked people. Yeah. I'm really thankful they didn't announce the Ryan Sheriff minor league signing. That might have really been uh, what took the event to the to a level they couldn't contain it anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why they waited to say anything about it until today. But Big top. That, that could have been a really scary scene. You guys catch the fever yet? Tapia fever. Don't insult me. Come on. What if? Tapia is Alex Verdugo if Alex Verdugo had no talent. I feel like Tapia had more RBI at Fenway this year than Verdugo. Oh, 
Don't, don't, <laughs> you got, listen, if Jaron Duran could track a friggin' fly ball and catch it, oh, at least four of those would not have counted. But he cannot. No, <laughs> that, is, that is not wrong. Isn't Tapia like a fish? Uh, yeah. Isn't Probably. it? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what the, that's what he's ordering in um, Rush Hour 2. Uh, Chris Rock. Uh, Chris Rock. Um, Chris Tucker. When when they're on the flight. Tilapia? Oh, tilapia. tilapia. Yeah, tilapia. yeah, that's what it is. That's it, yeah. We should just start calling them tilapia. Oh, there goes. Seems pretty disrespectful, but <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> I will say he's he may genuinely be the coolest guy on the, in the organization. Just looking at him, Tapia looking at him. Yeah, oh yeah, he could be. I don't know. I don't know him at all. I hope he makes a team. What does he get? Two million if he makes a team. Yep. Yeah. I'm rooting for him. That's what we're talking about. I mean, that's for depth. That's a good sign. Sure. Agreed. That's a guy that like you expect to play like a starting outfield role for like a second division team, like the Brewers. If he was playing like the outfield for the Brewers, you wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, is he's playing outfield for the the a better team than us last year? Like, not wrong. That's what he was doing. That is true. minus Yoshida. Is he like the only guy that they sign that's under the age of like thirty five? <laughs> uh, how dare you? Am I wrong? No, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no. Wait a second. No, he's uh, he starts. That's it. That's correct. Well, Devers doesn't count, but kinda. Nope. No, he doesn't count. Nope. Are we gonna count minor league? Si- we have to count other minor league signings, right? Yeah, I mean, we just had the international signings. Are we counting those? <laughs> Nico Goodrum, please. Good, good, good. Sixteen-year-olds. Wait, that can't be real. That's very real. He's the only player under 35 that they've signed this winter? Yeah. <laughs> no, come on. Well, the two. Wait, no, there's two. Duvall, he's 34. Oh. Wow, really? Sick. Squeeze that one underneath. Big. <laughs> Sick. Spring chicken. Does, he turn, does he turn 35 this season, though? Let's find out. Definitely. Is this his age no, 35 so, season? I believe it's 34. He's 34. He turns 35 in September, so yes, this is his age 35 season. No. He doesn't count. No, no, no. This is age 34 season. He turns 35 in September, which means this is his age 34 season. He turns If he th- turns 35 in season. Uh-uh. uh-uh. They, they count it from opening day, which is stupid, um, but he will be 35 this calendar year, so, so no, he's not. Not under the age of 35. He is under the age of 35. This is his age 34 season. If he turns 35 in season, it's his age 35 season. (sighs) Wrong. I believe that's how it works. It's not Mm -hmm. how it works. It isn't how it works technically, but like he's going to be 35 playing baseball this year. He's going to be playing baseball as a 35 year old man in September. Yes. There's going to be like three days left in the season. All right. Well, then we can adjust the question to is Tapia the only guy that they've signed who will not be 35 this year? <laughs> and has also played MLB baseball before. Like, that's he's the only one. This is crazy disrespectful. Yeah. Jorge Alfaro, he, he, he's still youthful. Minor league deal. Yep. Greg Allen, youthful. Minor league deal. Yep. Edwin Diaz, but not the real Edwin Diaz. 
I love Greg Allen, by the way. I hope he, yeah, he makes good. it to the show at some point this year. It's off. That name is awfully close to Alan Craig. Greg Ooh. Allen? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Couldn't be I more guess. different. No, but, why? Because he likes the Red Sox, apparently. Wow. Who likes Greg Allen? Alan, Alan Craig hates the Red Sox. Well, if we're being honest, Alan hates. Craig no, no longer had the ability to walk once he got to the Boston Red Sox. At least Greg Allen can run. Yeah, but Alan Craig has like made it his fucking life's mission to fuck the Red Sox. <laughs> Says who? Is this like another fan fiction? No, he was. Wasn't he the one that was like, "Yo, uh, Xander Bogarts, definitely go to the Padres." He was like, he recruited oh, yeah. Xander to the Padres. I forgot about that. That is not a, a highly enough spoken narrative in all this. Alan Craig was like, "Get out of Boston, dude." Yeah. Whoa. You're gonna love. I can't it imagine that had any impact on what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Xander like, answering his phone. Who are you, Alan? <laughs> we, you're gonna you're gonna tell me it teammates? didn't have an impact. Where did he sign, Coley? Uh, no, no, no. I, unless Coley, where Craig did he sign? One, unless Alan Coley, where did he sign? Gave the two hundred and eighty-two million dollar offer. He had zero impact. If Alan Craig called you, would you Science listen to his advice or go the complete opposite direction? Xander, listen to Alan Craig. I'd go the complete opposite direction. Well, Xander, listen to him. <laughs> I was like, hey, come here. We're paying minimum wage, but it's sick. <laughs> I don't think he's a San Diego Padre. Mm-hmm. I don't, by the way, I, I, like I said in the town hall, I don't think this team's done. I don't, I don't think the roster Time construction is complete. What, I, what was his, what was his actual quote? He said, uh, we're hoping to announce something in the next couple of days that we're trying to wrap up. And he also separately spoke of Duval, so it couldn't have been talking about Duval. I saw so, everyone fighting this back and forth on Twitter, and then there were some people right. who were like, no, it was the same thing. Then some people were like, no, they were different thoughts. Um, but I think the initial thought, like Coley said, was that he was referencing something else happening. Because Duval's still not official. They haven't cleared a roster spot for Duval? I don't believe so. Hmm. Which, why would you waive someone if you could just package like a two for one? Hopefully attaching, you know, I someone in Bob. I know what that is. Oh. <clears throat> hmm. Is this a player you like, Jared? I like all the players. Hmm. Is he under 35? (laughs) I like all the players. Jake? All right, so I was at Winter Weekend, and uh, I didn't think the booing was that bad. But I'm not really a businessman, and I feel like uh, we need a businessman's opinion to relate more (laughs) to my group. So... I mean, you guys, you guys should be familiar with world-renowned businessman Pat Light. So uh, maybe we should give him a call and uh, ask for his opinion on the matter. I, I know he didn't mean it this way, but starting off the call with, I didn't think the booing was that bad. But I'm not a businessman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think the booing was bad. I'm really dumb. So excuse me for not thinking it was that bad. Going to Fenway and being like, and being like, wow, all these people are booing. I don't really understand business. What does this mean? 
Listen, I failed calculus three years in a row. I don't understand booing. <laughs> I'm just a sports guy. What does all this booing mean? <laughs> Did you see the the business Pat video that he put out? It yeah. was very high quality. It was high quality stuff. I mean, it was just like not a single what was business the point of it? happened. I don't think that he had a single business. Yeah, he definitely didn't mean it to be this way. He's like, this is business Pat. And like, this is what business Pat does when he does business. And then it's just him drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and and there it felt was like, like a Michael Scott production. It was like, <laughs> we are, we are going to do business. And he pays like $4,000 for a videographer just to film him on a helicopter ride. <laughs> That's just, what it looked like. It looked like, like, you know, those TikTokers that show up to a restaurant and they're like, I'll shoot a 10 second commercial for you. That's yeah. exactly the vibes of the entire video. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I hope like if you showed that to a business class and you're like, all right, class, what did you learn? They'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> they like business pack content. I tell you, it's going to be next level. Like I'm looking forward to it all year where it's just business Pat wearing his suit, going into these limos that he's rented and then being like, oh, had had five meetings today. Time to rip shots. <laughs> and that's it. that's the whole video. It's just him pouring tequila into girls' mouths. <laughs> Absolutely no proof a meeting took place. None. In that video. <laughs> None. Like, they couldn't even get uh, an image of him standing outside of a building or a bank or something. Nothing. And wasn't it like he landed and he was like, I got no time for the rest of the day. The schedule is fucking packed. We got back to back to back to back to back meetings. Yeah. And then it was like music montage of him <laughs> doing shots and pouring <laughs> yeah. drinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Last meeting was supposed to start at eleven thirty. Yeah. What does he think a meeting is? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, business Pat is something. Can we sell business Pat merch? He can't sue us yes. unless he's trademarked business Pat, which would be smart as a businessman. We should. <laughs> that'd be a real test of how much of business Pat is actually business Pat. Jake, trademark business Pat. If we if we trademark it before he does, then I feel like, what's he gonna do? We can, we we own him. That's yeah, the like, ultimate power move: is to cuck a guy at like his own business yeah. after he leaves this show to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't even tell him that he can't use it, but he has to pay us a licensing fee. Mm-hmm. A show that famously can't get naming rights gets naming rights to business Pat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's put some inspirational quotes on his Twitter today. Oh boy! So uh, many the brand pe- change has been unbearable. The, Un- his the the tweets that Pat gets, like his replies, are fucking hilarious. Like he must. I don't know that Pat is sitting there getting frustrated by this. Like he probably does see the humor in it, but it is very funny reading the re- responses to some of his tweets. Um. <laughs> Pat Pat tweeted uh this is pretty fucking cool. Good for you, Jared. And it's it's a quote tweet of the town hall. And uh this exit velocity says this doesn't look like the Apple keynote, so I'm not sure what you're doing chiming in. Uh <laughs> what what do you know about the Red Sox? What do you even know about baseball? I didn't know the CEO of the Light Group was into baseball. That's pretty cool. Stick to business, my guy. What's this guy know about baseball? Just looks like a businessman. Stick to business. You don't know anything about baseball. 
buddy, kindly move yourself back over into the business world. You don't know about this baseball shit. What the fuck do you know about the Red Sox? <laughs> Isn't that what I told everybody to do last week? Yeah, this is like, I mean, now business, I feel bad. <laughs> the, no, more of it. More. <laughs> more. Yeah, he can't. He, he's not going to be able to tweet about business ever. He's like three days away from just like turning into grind set Pat. Where it's just like he's just tweeting, copying and pasting inspirational quotes from like a website and then being like, yo, if you don't have a Bugatti by the end of the week, then you are a fucking failure. <laughs> I mean, it's a very thin line between grind set business and professional athletes. So it's a very easy transition to make. It's fair. He just didn't tweet that way before so seeing him do it now is outrageous uh and i just realized i'm probably gonna see him in scott i told him i'm gonna see him in scottsdale i'm going to make a cameo on a business pad video <laughs> i've just decided you're gonna be a meeting he's gonna like he's just gonna ask you if you want to like meet up and he's gonna classify it as a meeting a business meeting <laughs> yeah i'll wear a suit i'll be <laughs> it's like listen we're doing a business pat I would like one business, please. <laughs> this guy fucking loves business. <laughs> what are the margins on that helicopter video? Like, what? How much money did that cost for episode one of Business Path? Does he ride in a He's helicopter? Be by this is. It seems like it. What? He's in a helicopter every day. No. It feels very expensive. Well, he's Business Path. Mm-hmm. He's 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 yeah, probably making some sort money. of deals to make to make that happen. So many people talk about what they are going to do. The only time people care is when you've already done it. In the words of Nike, just do it. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's that's latest second newest tweet. He quoted Nike. <laughs> what? Scroll down, so, you'll see it. Someone three hours said, ago. Someone responded and said, thank you, Business Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Emerson responded with the Jay Cutler, don't care me. (laughs) Bill smoking a cigarette. Oh, man. So many people talk about what they're going to do. The only time people care is when you've already done it. I'm telling you, I'm going to start making t-shirts out of Business Pat. (laughs) Twitter quotes. The worst part about that is he quote tweeted a tweet that basically said exactly what he said, and he just like rephrased it and then added the Nike <laughs> the Nike quote. That's just business. He did dude. a business. Yeah, that's the business. Yeah, Nike is the business. This is one of the most successful businesses too. By the way, Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon starring in a movie about Nike. Are they really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the premise? Just business? Yeah, they're, they're doing a business. <laughs> Is it like the origin of Nike? It'd be so funny if they came out with the trailer for that movie and it's like, it's about like the founding of Nike and the title of the movie, like the movie card at the end was doing a business. <laughs> ben Affleck and Matt Damon star in doing a business. <laughs> oh, man. I love I love Pat's gimmick change. <laughs> that stinks. 
Stinks. <laughs> Stinks so bad. <laughs> like he's good. What's crazy is I know he's good at doing business, and none of it was on display in that video. Absolutely none. It's of just it. like if you watch the video, I'm gonna turn the sound down and just give you a walkthrough of Business Pat's video. All right, so he's walking to this SUV. Turns around. Now he's acting with very wildly slick back hair. <laughs> Then he's, you think he's, that's slick back? That's pushed back. It's a little bit. Now he's walking into this helicopter, slow motion, holding up a bottle of alcohol. They're cheersing. <laughs> this is like an action movie. <laughs> he's flying over bridges in Philadelphia. Uh, now he's landed. There it looks like there's like a convoy there to pick him up, like he's the fucking president. Now he's inside this SUV and he's talking about how many how many meetings he has. Five meetings in a row, five consecutive meetings, he says, back to back to back to back to back to back. Uh, and the last one ends or starts at 11.30. Long day. Talking to a bunch of hospitality owners and seeing if anything makes sense. <laughs> and now just cuts the fucking him at a bar, just cheers in with a million people. There's confetti falling from the ceiling. And that's the end of the video. <laughs> There's just a banner in the back that said one business done. (laughs) (laughs) Just like business Pat just goes to meetings and gets fucked up. (laughs) And that's it. And that's business, baby. So you're trying to make sense of it. It's like, yeah, you can't make sense. You're hammered, Pat. You can't make sense of anything. You're shit-faced. Jesus. The first comment underneath, I still don't understand what business Pat does. (laughs) Can I get a top five fire hydrants in Philly? (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, honestly... I got to say, him leaving the podcast was the first step for it being good for business because we are we have not stopped talking about Pat's business <laughs> yeah. since he's left the podcast right. and rebranded. Right. He has upped his exposure by like 100%. Mm-hmm. Like the business Pat video has 36.4 thousand views. <clears throat> I can't imagine it would have had more than like, I don't know. 3,000 if if it weren't for the listeners of this podcast. Fair or unfair? Fair. I don't know. I can't speculate, but I do know that we've spent a lot more time talking about Pat and his businesses <laughs> since he's left the podcast. <laughs> but we haven't. Miguel's- we've just said the phrase business Pat over and over again. <laughs> no one here can say what the businesses are. Miguel. Well, we can't specific we can't specifically name them, but we've we're talking about them in a general sense. Miguel tweeted Pat and said, "Ah, so business Pat just drinks a lot. Glad to see nothing changed that much." Uh, Sean said, "Businessman is just a fancy word for alcoholic. Prove us wrong with Pat's pick of top 5 sober celebrities." This is a guy who what, just the, knows business. What's it? Pat watched like five episodes of Mad Men and he was like, oh, you just drink all day? I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine if they just did like a day in the life of Warren Buffett and he was just getting fucking cocked <laughs> with like 20 year old girls. They're like, what's the key to success? 
he was just like, you just, just business. You got to do it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just got to well, drink a bunch and send up. generic tweets. Then you get rich. I'm going to start making up what Pat's businesses are. Since he's so nondescript about them. Like, oh, you did a good job arming Coney's child army, Pat. That was a good <laughs> business you did. <laughs> you got a good deal on those AKs. Anyone notice the, the what was, who was the guy we traded for Brittany Griner? The Lord of Death? Yeah, Merchant of Death. Merchant of Death. Pat didn't start becoming business, Pat, till he was back on the street. That's true. That very interesting. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Starting a rumor that business, Pat, is the Merchant of Death's right hand man. Please put this underneath <laughs> this Twitter. Please. I just want pictures. Seem pretty happy as if one of his friends had been released. <laughs> Every Merchant of Death needs a, needs a businessman of death. For every merchant, there's there's a business to be had. <laughs> he was drinking Russian vodka on that helicopter. I don't know. I'm just, just piecing it together. I I would I would just call him right now and get him on the show, but it's it's he eleven ten p.m. So he's probably still in a meeting right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely in a meeting. I just need I just need more business Pat content. Like imagine if imagine if Pat left the show as a bit to uh start a business Pat character. Like he's not really doing any of this. He's just making videos pretending to be business Pat so that he can monetize the character business Pat. That would be it, it would be an all it would be an all-time bit. If this was a bit, it would be an all-time bit. It's it's I'm kind of on to him. Like even like the profile picture change, like you got yeah. real headshots. Like he's become business Pat. So mm-hmm. he's got like I, I'm gonna text him right now and be like, if you were really all in, you like you have to change your you have to change your Twitter name to business Pat. Like it can't <laughs> be Pat Light. Like yeah, like he can keep like the username, like his handle can still be Pat Light, but he's gonna change his like name on his profile Display to name. business Pat. It looks like the day the headshots were taken was the same day of this video. You have to change Big day. Your that was one of the meetings. To business hat on Twitter. <laughs> I do. I just love, I love that the first video was li- all it showed was literally him taking transportation and partying. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> there was no business conducted or shown. Dude, he was in a helicopter. Not one iota of business conducted in that video. He was he was in a helicopter. Did you see that? Yes. That's a method of transportation. That he yeah, was in a, for a business, car. For business people, you ever been in a helicopter before? I have not. You ain't doing business. Thank God. Helicopters scare me. I've been in a helicopter one time. It's frightening. That was, uh, I didn't realize the dangers of helicopters at the time. 
I'd probably still go in one now. I'm I'm jumping out of a plane, I think, with Johnny Ooh. Gomes. No. Absolutely not. Not for nope. me. Why? Because I don't like being in planes strapped into a seat. And so I think I'm jumping out with like the military, though. Yeah, famously, nobody's died in the military. (laughs) (laughs) Just nothing's gone wrong when the U.S. military is involved. Very safe profession. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a second thought, I guess. Please do. Okay. Would you guys would you I mean, guys continue the show fine. if I died jumping out of a plane? I mean, I think we'd have to do at least one more episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry would, death reaction. Would you guys just make fun of me for di- like, I mean, I'm not I'm not oh. the biggest fan of turning everything into content, but let me tell you, if you die in a fucking <laughs> a skydiving accident and you think that we're not reconvening for at least one more hour. That would You're fucking suck. crazy. That would suck oh, I because, like, I would it, be so quickly being like, "Why didn't he have more fucking surface area? That <laughs> should have stretched out. He would have been fine. It could have just been the piece of plywood." <laughs> I would hate to die jumping out of a plane because no one's gonna feel bad for you. They're like, "You didn't have to do that." Yeah, we're telling you this before you do it. You could have just. Yeah, there are certain deaths that you're like, well, that was entirely unavoidable. Yeah. This like is if you, probably if the you biggest die one. jumping out of a plane that was on fire and about to crash, then a, a lot of people would feel bad for you. But if you jump out of a perfectly working plane, mm. that is not a great sympathy grab. Right. I mean, like, in, it'll piss me off when people are like, oh, he died doing what he loved. I don't love that shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not like a thrill seeker. I like to stay home. Yeah, unless you were watching the, a Red Sox game on the way down yeah. while, while like, skydiving. Just like looking at some big boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been, he died doing what he loved. Unless there was like, unless there was this set of gigantic boobs waiting for you on the ground and you just missed the landing spot. Then yeah, then it would be tough. Uh, business pad answered and uh he said i think that is a tremendous idea so he's uh he's, gonna, ch- he's gonna change his name to <clears throat> to business pad on twitter we'll see if he actually does it before the end of the show um but yeah i mean I, yeah don't think i haven't thought about that but if if i do die jumping out of an airplane like don't make fun of me a lot like a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I won't I be fair. there to defend myself. That's the fun part. I think the word <laughs> senseless would be thrown thrown around a lot. A senseless act. A senseless act and a senseless tragedy. Yeah, definitely a tragedy. A great loss of life. What could have been had he not jumped. <laughs> a mediocre loss of life. A life was lost. No, no argument there. (laughs) 
Oh no, what will we do? <laughs> Nobody will ever have opinions on the Red Sox again. <laughs> that would be terrible. <clears throat> I'm not willing you guys anything. Not well, John, John, John Henry will have to ignore somebody else's questions next winter <laughs> weekend. <laughs> if you were to die, what? now is probably the time to die. For being honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to encourage you or push you towards we're that. Is an evergreen it. statement, Tyler. <laughs> but I think <laughs> this is the time. Do you think I have, if ever is there is a time to die? It's right now. It's right now. Do you think I've reached my peak, Tyler? Is that what you're saying? No. Maybe the Red Sox have. But if you don't want to go through this, then there is a way. Oh, There's the light rebuild. at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> you're saying you're saying it's gonna be a while before the Red Sox are good again, so I might as well kill myself. <laughs> I would use the word great, but yes. <laughs> it's going to be would a while. You be, would you be more furious if we just spent like four hours laughing at you or if the Red Sox never acknowledged that you died? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just like kept it moving. Yeah. And like fucking next, next winter, like Steve is up there asking questions. <laughs> John Henry. They're like, well, he's answering. Them. Yeah, they're like, welcome back. Second year in a row, Steve Peralta. <laughs> serious question. Uh, Do you think Steve would be happy if you died? Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. He'd fire off one obligatory tweet and then and, and then be like, fuck yeah. Yeah, he 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 would he would post he would post like a video <laughs> compilation or something to get the likes and retweets. And he would he'd yeah, he'd, like, he'd do like an Instagram slide, but he'd only pick the pictures in which he looks good. Yeah. And he'd yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. "R.I.P. to a yeah. real one." Yeah, gone, lost forever in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And then he'd probably ask my mom for my Twitter login so he can change it to Steve Peralt. <laughs> like he he would have wanted me to have his Twitter. He wouldn't he wouldn't want it to stay dormant. <laughs> be incredible if you died and steve stole your twitter account <laughs> just changed be all fucking incredible <laughs> yeah that'd be tough that'd be tough you should let business pat handle your estate mm-hmm. he's a business <laughs> it's a man who has his affairs in order yeah you wouldn't leave us anything uh what do you want? The sword. You can have the sword, yeah. Okay. You can have the sword. Do what you must. That's out of all the things that I own. You want the fucking sword? You don't want the World Series ring, the fucking World Series trophies? Can I have your house? Yeah. That Sick. doesn't include That's the sword, it. right? No, you, you can have the sword. Tyler okay. Can sword. Pete's like the sword's a deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, if I if I get those keys, walk through that entryway. It's a that fucking sword's package deal, Tyler. Yeah. I just yeah. want something. <laughs> It'd be so sick to walk away from the estate meeting, and Tyler's <laughs> fucking thrilled that he got a sword, <laughs> and I got Jared's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that sword is probably from like a yard sale in 1943. It's Value. a cool sword though. One man's trash. Another man's treasure. And then he dies and it becomes another man's treasure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll leave Jake, you do you want anything? 
Do you want me to will you anything, Jake? I'll take your TVs. Okay. They're not even hung up yet. I, I have like 9,000 TVs. And I fucking have one TV hung up in my house so far. I just hope that this episode uh, is like the graphic for this episode is just like Jared dies in horrible skydiving accident. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not off the table. Jared tweets it out. What do you think? What do you think the uh, success rate is for skydiving? Super high. Like 99%. You think it's north of 99%? Has to be. Has I to don't be. know that it's north of 99%. I'd go 97. Yeah. It's got to be it's got to be like 99. There's people who do it like every day for fun. Right. There are people that do thousands of jumps. I mean there's probably hundreds of deaths though. <laughs> yeah, but strictly numbers game. Like what do you think the the like the success rate of plane crashes are? Like how many planes crash per year? Like what percentage of planes crash? 40%. Super low. What? You think that 40% of planes crash? You think that 40% of planes are falling out of the sky? Ooh, I got some numbers here. All right, let me hear, let me hear them. Uh, there was roughly one fatality for every 400,000 jumps that took place in the previous year. Those aren't crazy great odds, honestly. One out of 400,000? One out of 400,000? Yeah, you know how unlucky you'd have to be to be the one guy who dies out of four hundred thousand jumps. Like, I would rather know that it's like one in a billion. Four hundred thousand is like not that fucking crazy. But that's that's ninety nine percent. That's big time. That's way that's way north of ninety nine percent. I don't know. Uh, that doesn't bring me comfort. One out of four hundred. You jump on. You're also a person. The you're they also a person that four out of every ten. <laughs> you have gotten on so many flights while thinking that forty percent of them <laughs> crash. <laughs> really want to die. <laughs> I can't you believe you said forty <laughs> percent. Every time you land, are you just like extremely disappointed? Like. Where are you Jared's a guy who claps on the plane just because he thinks that there's like a a sixty percent survival rate. Yeah. Uh, every time, every time I get on a plane, I wear a T-shirt that says "We are the sixty percent." <laughs> you have to will that into reality. <laughs> Imagine like having to answer for that. Just like ah, now the now the plane went down. <laughs> like you would just stop having press conferences you'd just be like yeah what do we say like 40% of these things fucking crash dude do we have to address it every single time you know how many flights there are in a day <laughs> LaGuardia does 10 uh, New York to LA is a day hope you're one of the six <laughs> yeah yeah 40% would be a horrible success rate <clears throat> that's no good no no, it just I mean it's better than fifty percent. You get on a plane, sixty percent chance of making it to your destination. Pat would have to get a lot of business done soon because if he's already gotten one of his, his flights out of the way, he keeps doing that, that that business is not gonna last too long. 
I just texted him. We're waiting. <laughs> we're not fucking ending. We're not ending the podcast until you change it. I'm refreshing. We're not. Let's see. We're not ending the podcast until you change it. <clears throat> I would hate to be sending him all these text messages if he's in the middle of a meeting, but it's almost 11:30, so it's got to be wrapping. That, up that means now. that his last meeting of the day is about to start. <laughs> Yeah, it's about to. Oh, it's about to start. Yeah, it's also like pretty. It's. It, I guess it's like late enough at night to where he could be drunk too. Oh, it's nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking's just meeting prep. He calls it meeting juice. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting juice. There's a fucking scotch on the rocks. Crack me open some meeting juice. This is my business cola yeah, right this here. Is some fucking <laughs> my business bourbon. I'll take a business bourbon on the rocks. <laughs> He's got to put a drink on one of his on at one of his bars. Just meeting juice. Yeah, he's got he's to he, be a drink called meeting juice. Meeting juice, business bourbon, and fucking meeting my ties. <laughs> All right. Well, any other thoughts? No, while we were recording, I saw another fucking plow go by. I'm- I thought you were going to say, while we were recording, I saw another fucking plane go down. <laughs> That's three today. Just in Maine. I mean, midnight. The idea of being a diehard baseball fan that thinks of 40% of planes go down is hilarious. That would mean that like dies every that'd mean like 19 teams just completely crash and burn every season. I mean, not everyone, not every plane that crashes, everyone dies. You don't think that we would have heard if like the Baltimore Orioles plane crashed and the entire team survived? Probably not. Well, I'm not saying the entire team would live, but someone would. (laughs) (laughs) Someone would. Didn't Ric Flair? Ric Flair got into a plane crash. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Travis got into Barker. Plane crash. Yeah. Travis Barker. Travis Barker. Yeah. Travis Barker was one of two. One of two survivors on his plane crash. Yeah. See, you, you guys see that video of that Instagram live of that plane crash like this week? No. Fuck no. Oh, it's Absolutely bad. No Don't interest watch in seeing it. that. It, it traumatized me. No. The only plane crash video I enjoyed was that military plane. Oh, that was wild. That, like, bounced and <laughs> shot the guy out directly. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought you were talking about a different one. No, this one was funny. This one, was, I don't know which one. Like, I wouldn't laugh at someone getting, like, actually hurt. But, like, a military plane was trying to, like, kind of, like, hover and land. And it just came in so hot that it just bounced immediately. And then, like, kind of, like, started doing, like, a little, 
little Three Stooges spinny uh, thing because it did not land well at all. And so the guy hit the eject button, but since it was on its side, it just launched him <laughs> directly into the ground. And how do you know that he didn't get hurt? I feel like that would yeah, hurt. Yeah, no, he was fine. Oh he was my fine. God. <laughs> you know why? Very Looney Tunes ass way to fall. He probably he probably spread his arms out. Definitely. <laughs> he for sure had enough time to think of that. <laughs> An entire plane crashes of people, and Jared's like, "Why didn't they spread their arms out? <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing could have been avoided." Yeah, I understand the big guy in 19F, but those little people up front—they were fine. Spread them out. Spread them. That's it. <laughs> I bet you people that listen to this episode were like, this is going to be like a, this is going to be a heavy episode talking about like the, the booze and the negativity. And we're just like, what if we, we dropped a wooden Rubik's cube <laughs> from the second floor and how to survive a plane crash? See you, Pete. Dead. Plane crash. Plane crash. <laughs> oh, there you are, Pete. Here I am. Jake, what would you say the percentage of uh, plane crashes out there? I mean, 40 feels high. (laughs) (laughs) Does it? I feel like it's kind of the sweet spot, no? I mean, I can't imagine walking onto a plane every time and being like, it's pretty much a coin flip that this thing's going down. I feel like the Wright brothers had a better success rate than 40%. Uh, uh, I doubt it. I mean, they lived. Yeah, but I mean, how high off the ground did they really get? It's true. That's a good point. Do you guys understand how many places and claim they invented flying? Uh, No. Brazil does it. North Carolina does it. I'm pretty sure we have multiple license plates across the country that are like first in flight. Like I think Ohio tries to sneak in there. Most people just claim they invented flying. We'll never know the origins of that story because everyone claims it. I only know about the rights. Yeah. I've never heard anybody else. They would know. They committed to the bit. Who are these other frauds? I just said Brazil, and I'm pretty sure Ohio also has. Yeah, no names, names, though. Names. Ohio's a state. I don't know. But again, I'm just too many people start claiming things. I lose interest quickly. 40% (laughs) of these things are going down. People want to claim this uh, death trap of an invention? Not me. I mean, Pat's got to be in a meeting if he hasn't changed it yet or texted back. Oh, I just read that the uh, the Wright brothers only flew together once. What? Yeah. They they had always promised a guy named Milton. I don't know who this is. 
They pr- always promised oh, a guy Bradley? named Milton they would never fly together to avoid the chance of a double tragedy and ensure that one brother <laughs> would remain to continue their experiments. Isn't that like uh, there's only there's only two people in the world that know the recipe to Coca-Cola and they're not allowed to fly on the same flight together because they know about the 40 percent. Something like that. <laughs> so you were going to say the president and the, the vice president. He went that way. No, Coca-Cola. Oh, this is a this is a nice little uh, addition. They always told their father they would never fly together. And then the next line here is next. Orville took his 82-year-old father on a nearly seven-minute flight. <laughs> uh, the only aerial excursion of Milton Wright's life. I like being like, all right, sure, we'll never fly together because if there's something has, something happens to us, that'll be devastating. How about you? You want to fly with me? <laughs> Your life is meaningless. Why don't you tag along? If you die, no one cares. <laughs> no. no one will miss you. This has no impact on the world at all. I'm surprised how, how well Coley's handling this conversation. Aren't you like a non-flight guy? You don't fly? I dominate the skies. You do? Mm-hmm. That's like a recent thing. We've taken flights together. Where? Florida. Did we? Are you like a I will fly but I won't like it kind of guy? I don't know anyone who like liking it feels insane to me but some people just don't think about it those people are very lucky um yeah there was like a five-year stretch i didn't fly uh because i had just a horrible flight back a red eye from california and i just like gripped my seat the whole time because i felt like you know in looney tunes when they step off a cliff but they keep walking a couple steps and then they look down and their eyes bulge out of their head I felt like yeah. that type of sensation the whole flight back. And so I was like, I'm not doing that again. Like, that was not good for my heart. Um, and then my wife forced me to do it when we met. Um, and it worked out. I have had a few of those, not exact experiences, but I do have like a severe anxiety when it comes to flying. Yeah. Because I, you know, <laughs> I know that there's a. There's a 60% chance that I'm making it till tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I think you'll, more than most people, appreciate it because of your, you're a cinephile, but I always have like an iPad or something, and I was so stuck to my seat. The first movie I hit, because I was, I was fine flying when we were taking off, like it didn't even cross my mind, but once we got up there, I was like, I don't know what happened. And the only movie I had on was Bone Tomahawk. Oh, oh no boy. what are you what oh boy and so i the only time i could muster enough energy to was when the movie would end and then i could just rewind it i couldn't and there wasn't enough i couldn't let go long enough to find a different movie so i watched bone tomahawk three times in a row oh my god <laughs> from la to boston for those who don't know bone tomahawk yeah, right. is a gruesome movie <laughs> like 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 gruesome beyond your wildest dreams yeah and it shows it oh yeah (laughs) yeah it sure does it's like a snuff film it shows a man being split in two and not in the way that you would think dick first (laughs) it's a it's a gruesome scene the rest of the movie is fine 
Western cannibal. I think horror that's. Film. I think that scene is enough to classify it as a gruesome film. I don't disagree. Yeah. It's quite gruesome, and I saw it thrice. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> who uh, who introduced you to Bone Tomahawk? Uh, that was. That was when like movies one, two, three was really popping off and like sites like that. And it was right when I started doing social media. So I had a lot of free time during my days. I was watching any movie, any movie that came out, I was watching. And Bone Tomahawk was a movie that came out. Try and argue with Mm -hmm. that. You can't. Um, It also had like a stacked cast. Yeah. Not like stacked, but like a very well-known cast. Well, it's like Kurt Russell did that and another (laughs) Western like back to back. I can't remember what the other the other one's much more well received than Tom. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like um it was like a a dual thing, right? Like they pl- kind of played off each other. Maybe. I think he just didn't change between like he didn't change wardrobe. I don't know that they were connected at all. Like the other one was the other one the uh, uh what was it called? The Hateful Eight. Like True Crime. Yeah, the Hateful, oh, yeah, Hateful Eight, that's what it was. So yeah, I think that's probably why they were tied. But wasn't True Grit around then too? There was a big Western uh, uh, splurge in the early, in the mid twenty teens. The True Grit remake. Yeah, that was a that was. I don't see that. He played. Uh, oh, not for him. The, I, I just think for westerns in general. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The battered bat. Uh. Kurt Russell played himself in the Battered ba- Bastards of Baseball. That's a very f- strong documentary if you haven't watched it. I have not. Kurt Russell's apparently really good at baseball. Um, I knew uh, Wyatt Russell was quite good at baseball and hockey. And he, I think it was his dad, started this independent league team in Oregon back in like the 70s. And it was just all these guys from across the country who like, truly couldn't make any other team it's it's kind of like what moneyball pretends to be like oh we got these random guys and won a bunch of games and they completely ignore like miguel tejado won mvp and they had like three cy young candidates in the rotation (laughs) this was just like a bunch of alcoholics and drug addicts who started playing um, independent league baseball and then won like the pacific league it's 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 on Netflix. It's genuinely a good watch. Oh, I've seen. I haven't seen it. Seen it, but I've I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kurt Russell's dad was just like, yeah, I'll have a team. And Kurt Russell was, I can't remember if he played or if he just like helped. No, he he was a switch hitting second baseman for the Angels minor league affiliates, the Ben Rainbows and the Wawa, the Walla Walla Islanders. Walla Walla is in Washington, right? Sure is. You want to know how I know that? No. All right, fine. <laughs> oh. Cole, you nailed this. Yeah, he was DHing for the Portland Mavericks, which was the team his dad owned mm-hmm. in Indie Ball. And then he hurt his rotator cuff and had to retire. I feel like I feel like Pete would know this, but Walla Walla, Washington. I know that that's in Washington because uh, Trishelle from Real World Chicago was from Walla Walla, Washington. That's outrageous. I don't know if it was That Trishel. just makes me think of Gullah Gullah Island. Correct. Me too. I thought that first, and I was like, wait, I also know about Walla Walla. 
and I don't know if it was I'm I'm fairly confident that it was someone from the real world Chicago. Can you look that up? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was the correct answer. I would have been furious if you looked that up. (laughs) I'm going to look it up then. Tanya Cooley. Oh, okay. So it wasn't Trishel. Oh, Tanya. I know Tanya. Tanya was. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Now you want to talk about it. Now you want to talk about it. I didn't know that she was from fucking Walla Walla, Washington. I want to talk about it. Oh. I I know Tanya because she's Mm -hmm. a fucking. um, She is a challenge, like superstar. Okay, yeah. She's from Walla Walla, Washington asshole <laughs> i'm glad i didn't look it up <laughs> i got the t- was she on real world chicago yeah uh, yes she lives by the saying don't judge a book by its cover well wow, oh, she's when business she said she, she, she's <laughs> the first person to say that <laughs> she was the first person to say that and then the second person to say it was business pat <laughs> <laughs> i can't I can't wait for the business pat tweet that says don't judge a book by its cover business pat. <laughs> I think he like if he really wanted to lean into it, he needs to start signing his tweets business pat at the end. Like how Hulk Hogan does HH. I he's got to do another episode of Business Pat where he meets with like his accountant and his accountant's like you spent Six thousand dollars on a helicopter ride <laughs> for what? Amtrak's we made we made four hundred and fifty dollars last quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and this and this video that you posted made zero dollars, zero money. Yeah, Why but- did you take the helicopter? <laughs> it's the, it's the long play. <laughs> you just gotta you gotta see the vision with, with business Pat. <laughs> Q1 revenue was was fourteen dollars and thirty eight cents, and you spent six thousand dollars to ride a helicopter around the Walmart in Hoboken just just to have a visual of you in a helicopter. You weren't even going anywhere. The meeting was in Hoboken. It'd be so funny if he just did a lap and got like stock footage in Philadelphia. Yeah. He's I mean, changing, definitely he's changing he, suits he on the helicopter so it can look like different days. It's <laughs> like interspersed with like with uh, with footage from like the Always Sunny in Philadelphia intro. It's like, look, we're in Philly. <laughs> so, yeah, you definitely could have drove. It would have taken the same amount of time. <laughs> I wish Pat all the success in the world. Me in his too. Business ventures. Me too. I, th- I think he's going to be great at this. <laughs> well, any any final thoughts, Jake? Jake's takes. I'll just end it with a great quote by Business Pat. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Goodbye. Buenas noches, amigos.
A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing. <laughs> Works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.